All right, corporate yes-men, I need more things to remake, and I need them right now! Oh, sorry, Donald, you're not that popular right now. You don't like to remember I exist. Give me another chance, please. Oh, heck no! I'm not going to make that mistake again, Pocahontas! But what about all the rodents we've been forgetting? Nope! Nobody remembers Rickers, Chippendale, or Prima Donnas. The great movie house detective can't compete with me. Next! I know, sir. It's been 17 years. Plenty of time to remake the game that blends everything into one. Oh, you're right. Why didn't I think of it before? Remastering doesn't get us far enough. It's time to remake Kingdom Hearts! Then we can remake the whole series, and by the time it's finished, we can remake it again! <laughs> the people will love us for it! <laughs> Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. This is RPG Backtrack at number 202. I'm going to wreck it. You might think we're talking about Wreck-It Ralph. No, we're talking about what I'm going to do to a particular Kingdom Hearts game, but we'll get to that in a moment. I am your one of your two hosts. Anyways, I am Phil Willis, and this is the only, the one, Mr. Mike Meekie. Yeah, with my title, I was obviously imagining that we would go a little further with Kingdom Hearts to the point where it might actually have been released in the same time frame as Wreck-It Ralph, but this series is just so expansive that that was too much to hope so never mind it's, it's, still, it's still a disney reference it's all good it's all good mike it's all good uh i believe we got the voice of uh, miss really mayan on here as well resident kingdom hearts archivist and crisis line support yeah no super glad you're on because otherwise this would be a very short podcast uh we also have um the very flaky mr mike laps He's so flaky. Flaky? What do you mean flaky? Oh yeah, whatever. How Miss, dare you? Yeah, totally. We used to we used to play Monster Hunter. We used to talk Monster yeah. Hunter. Yeah, I rely on you to bug he me did. to play Monster Hunter. He where where have been my? He left where me. Have been, where are all my annoying messages? <laughs> he, when are we gonna play Monster Hunter? He, he left Monster me. Hunter. 
he left me for Fortnite. He's totally playing Fortnite. He's totally a Fortnite addict now. Uh, then we have this uh, we have this uh, new guy on here, except we don't know if he can talk yet or not. I might be able to. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, we had Robo we had Robo new guy for a second there, so we kicked him off, and now he's back on. Then you know, sometimes my inner heartlessness comes out. Hey, robots. So who knows? What? All right. What? Sometimes decisions I, have to be made, and we just kick them off. What? I, I took my gummy ship to Tron World. I'm back. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, so yeah, we are here to talk today about a couple of Kingdom Hearts games. Uh, we'll be talking about Chain of Memories and Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, we got a quick uh, CRPG Club update for those of you. I know all, you know, there's hundreds and thousands of you that ran out to play Secret of Silver Blades. So I'll be talking about that. And of course, we have a juicy final lap for you. Uh, so we're going to dive, we're going to dive right into it. Uh, hold on tight. We'll be right back. kick off this show here um i just wanted to give a little disclaimer uh that this was recorded before recent news and came to the front regarding uh what was going on with actor johnny death and therefore some of the uh, opinions expressed were based on information that is now currently out of date so take this all with a grain of salt as always the opinions expressed on the show are those of each of us as individuals and not those of rpgamer.com as a site or organization. Thank you so much. Now the legal lease is over. Enjoy the show. And this is uh, the main event where we take a game or a series of game, we rip it wide open like a pinata and talk about all the candy that falls out. Today we're talking about a couple of Kingdom Hearts games. First one on the docket is Kingdom Hearts A Chain of Memories Developed by Jupiter, published by Square Enix, released in North America on December 7, 2004. A single-player action RPG experience, though it does say it has a multiplayer mode. I don't know if Wikipedia is right about that. I play that alone, but maybe there's something in there. Well, if it's like other GBA games, then you'll need to have a link cable in order to use the multiplayer. Yeah, God bless your heart if you do that. Uh, so, 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 yeah. And and one of the criticisms we're going to talk about Kingdom Hearts two later, but one of the criticisms about Kingdom Hearts two is that there's a lot of stuff you don't get if you haven't played Chain of Memories. So I'm hoping yeah, you guys are going to catch people up. 
Yes, I, I'm going to do a very fly-by-night summary of Chains so that you can get caught up, so that you can dive into two and not be completely lost. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. It's all on you. Indeed. Well, um, actually, before we even get started with that, do you want me to go over the Kingdom Hearts primer first? You might as well. That I might... I don't yeah, know that's a that great idea. Okay. So, it, it, there's a bunch of terms that you have to know in Kingdom Hearts in order to know what the hell is going on. Um, the first thing is that a, a heart in Kingdom Hearts is not like your blood chamber that pumps your blood. It's your emotional soul. And, like, literally everything has a heart, including plants, trees, grass, people, animals, and that's very important. All worlds have a heart. And all hearts Do things have... that aren't alive have hearts? You know, I don't know. Like, maybe my Say desk has a heart. It, it's entirely possible with this. Does the candy you're eating have a heart? I, you, you're having some existential questions. The Tic Tacs <laughs> right next to me, do they have hearts? Should I feel bad about removing the existent, the emotional cores of the Tic Tacs? Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. But the important thing to remember about hearts is that they have light and darkness, and a whole person consists of a body, a soul, and a heart. Um, when you turn into a heartless, it's a person whose heart has fallen into darkness. Um, a person whose heart contains no darkness at all is a princess of light. This is important for later. And then they Does introduce... this apply to all who have no darkness, even if they might not want to be called princesses? Te technically, in the lore of the game, there's only seven princesses of heart at any given time. But with all the retcons and stuff that go on in this series, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if, like, anybody could become a princess. Um, but just for the sake of speaking, right now there's only, like, seven princesses of light. Okay. And then in Chain of Memories, they introduce the concept of nobodies, which is the shell of a strong-willed person whose heart fell to darkness. Um, all of Organization 13 consists of nobodies, and the main thing is that they're trying to get their heart back and that they feel no emotion, except when they do. Hence the entire plot of uh, the DS game. But Are there somebodies, anybodies, and everybodies to go with the nobodies? You know, I'm surprised that they didn't call it that, but unfortunately, Damn. no. So, so when you have like when somebody's heart f falls to darkness, you have a heartless and a nobody. When you kill both the heartless and the nobody, then the whole person basically resurrects. But that's also getting into stuff much later into the series and games we're not going over today. And then the last thing you need to remember is that the K Kingdom Hearts is the heart of all worlds, and supposedly it's full of like light and darkness and knowledge and all this stuff. Um, everybody wants to get to it, and killing Heartless with a Keyblade returns heart the heart to Kingdom Hearts. So all of these terms you pretty much have to know to get the entire plot of the what's going on in the game. All right, Mike, so, you're up to speed on all this? Uh, nobody's hearts are your emotional core. There are princesses of light who have no dark in them, and there are only seven, although there could theoretically be millions. Uh, worlds have hearts. Plants have hearts. The grass has a heart. The ants have hearts. Bacteria has hearts. Viruses probably have hearts. Um, I'm Way probably not getting everything I needed to, but I, I, I seem to have 
absorbed some of it. Yeah, and the okay. one thing I for, the one thing I forgot to mention is that there are also artificial heartless, and those are uh, different from like naturally created heartless. And artificial ones have that uh, heart symbol, that broken heart symbol on their chest. Oh, okay. Um, artificial heartless. Are, yeah. are there artificial princesses of light, or can you only make somebody into somebody with complete <clears throat> darkness? You know, that doesn't come up until three, actually. But that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Um, yeah, that that is not backtrackable yet. Yeah, give it another two years. Oh boy, that's going to be a show. But right now we're just going to go into Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. The original Game Boy Advance version came out on December 7th, 2004 in the United States. It was later remade and released in the U.S. Or I'm sorry, it was released in Japan on March 29th, 2007, and then December 2nd, 2008 in the U.S. Like pretty much at the end of the PS2's life cycle. Wait, uh, you're talking about the the PS2 yeah. edition, right? Okay. Yeah. It sounded odd to have it come out in Japan on GBA so much longer after the U.S. release. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, um. I'm putting the U.S. release in there as just kind of a frame of reference so that when we get into 2 later, you'll know how much time went by between the two games, because that's important. But, so, Chain of Memories is literally a direct sequel to Kingdom Hearts. Um, the ending cutscene in Kingdom Hearts, where you're walking down that path in search of King Mickey, that's where you start out in Chain of Memories. And... A guy in a black cloak appears, and Sora, Donald, and Goofy chase after them, and they take you to it takes you to Castle Oblivion, where all of the heroes lose all of their memories, which are converted into cards. And this hooded man explains that the deeper you go into the castle, the more memories you lose, but you also uncover new memories in the process. And this game is where Organization Thirteen, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Organization Thirteen is encountered first time. <clears throat> Castle Oblivion has nothing to do with the Elder Scrolls game, right? No, nothing to do at all. Just a huge, ominous castle, spooky, you lose your memories, but you also gain memories. And in this game, as Sora loses his memories as you're fighting your way through the castle, he gradually appears to remember a girl named Namine as an old friend is. And he starts reminiscing about how they were together on the Destiny Islands along with Riku and Kairi. And that they were great friends, and he keeps harping on this. Um, and he learns through a boss fight that um, one of the Organization 13 members, Larkscene, um, is holding Nominee pr prisoner inside the castle. So as, as you're fighting for the floors, you, you end up clashing with a replica of Riku that was created and tr controlled by another Organization member, Vexen, and is believed by both Sora and the replica of himself to be the real Riku. And then later throughout the game, you meet Axel for the first time, who's a major character in Kingdom Hearts 2. And he's basically a double agent. Um, kind of the whole plot is that a couple of Organization 13 members, Marluxia, uh, Larkscene, and I think one other one, I want to say Vexen, is trying to use, or trying to basically turn Sora into a husk of himself and make him lose all of his memories. And, Axel is kind of like working with them, but then later double crosses them and ends up releasing Nomine. And that's when you find out that Nomine has been messing with your memories the whole time. So she was, she just planted herself in Sora's memory to get him to basically leak his memories, uh, 
like his memories later, and you actually don't. I don't believe that you find out why they're trying to get his memories out of his head fully until the DS game. Because while this is all going on, the DS game is happening at the exact same time. But that that's another backtrack onto itself. So I can't remember which one the DS game is right now. Is um, that three fifty eight over two. Three five eight over two. But yeah, uh, let's, let's not touch it. I don't want to that title. Can... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, I've heard that that one is a game. I haven't actually played it. I only played through the cutscenes. But from what I'm told, it doesn't really play well on the DS. Which hence why they probably that's why they just did the cutscenes for the 1.5 collection. But yeah, that that's happening at the literally the exact same time as this is happening. But because this one came first, it kind of behooves you to play this one before you play three five eight. So after you find out this this revelation that Namine has been messing with your memories, you face off against Marluxia, who is the Lord of Castle Oblivion, and he's the one who lured Sora there, and he is basically trying to overthrow the rest of the organization with Lurxine. And you climb to the highest floor, and you defeat Marluxia. And after you win the game, this is when Namine puts Sora and his friends into pod-like machines to help him regain the memories that they have lost, even though they will forget all the events that transpire, transpired in the castle. Um, before they are put to sleep, Sora and Namine promise to meet again as real friends once he awakens, and Sora believing that his memories of her and the castle will remain in his heart despite being forgotten. Um, I didn't know where to put this in the Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, blurb, but basically at some point in Kingdom Hearts 2, you find out that Namine is Kairi's nobody from when, when she went catatonic in Kingdom Hearts 1, which is really weird because a Kairi is a princess of light that whose heart doesn't fall to darkness, but yet she kind of did, but her heart just ended up in Sora's body and somehow it made a nobody. Wait, so... Your heart can create a nobody while you yourself do not become a nobody? I guess. that That's what the game... Your heart can split into multiple persons? Actually, if yes, you can. Because um, Xehanort does that exact thing in Dream Drop Distance, but that's getting way ahead of ourselves. Um, but no, wonder, you, no wonder we needed the Cliff's Notes. This is <laughs> yeah. remarkable. Basically, I feel like I should reread Lord of the Rings right now for a nice primer on easy to understand mythology. Yeah, I mean, uh, you need appendices. <laughs> yeah, Nomura kind of does whatever he wants with the. Um, I mean, and we've, we've seen that Tetsuya Nomura does not prize comprehensibility and accessibility. No, not not exactly. And then you know, I said that three five eight over two days is going on that at the exact same time Sora's plot is going on. There's also another timeline that's going on while this is going on, because um, when you finish the game for the first time, you get to play through it again as Riku, um, the, and all of Riku's stuff is going on at the exact same time as Sora's stuff. So there's basically three different timelines kind of converging into two. So Riku's story takes place right after Kingdom Hearts 1, where he's trans transported from the Realm of Darkness into Castle Oblivion's de deepest basement. Um, and at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1, Riku helped shut the door to darkness, so that's where he ended up. And he goes through the entire game, 
goes through chain of memories and fights figments of previous enemies and he's trying to combat combat his inner darkness because his whole arc in Kingdom Hearts 1 was that he's wrestling with the darkness. And eventually Vexen picks a fight with Riku to gain some data so that he can create a replica to help basically just kind of throw a wrench in Marwushia's plan. And while all this is going on, um, Ansem, the villain from the first game, is still possessing Riku's body, and Riku's basically trying to regain control of himself. And Mickey Mouse kind of helps keep his his um, darkness at bay. That's the first time I've heard you mention a Disney character, and we're, what, 15 minutes into this Kingdom yeah. Hearts encyclopedia? Yeah, um, we'll get into why the Disney characters don't show up very much in this game in the battle system. But, um, so yeah, he's saved by Mickey, and then when Marluxia is eliminated, um, a couple of other Organization 13 characters t- t- try to dispose of Riku by drowning him in light, and then Riku is eventually saved by Namine, who's disguised as Kairi, and she's the one that basically kind of helps him rein in his darkness. And then Riku later meets a character named Diz, who is this guy who his face is kind of wrapped up like a mummy and he's voiced by Christopher Lee. But I don't think it, yeah, not in the, I'm sorry, not in the GBA game, but when he shows up in Kingdom Hearts 2, that's who his voice is. I just, I always call him Christopher. And now he can, if he ever reappears, then he'll have to be voiced by somebody else because Christopher uh, he, Lee died at 93. Yeah. yeah, they did recast Henry, but I can't remember if they re, I, I think it was just a sound alike. But um, Riku's replica, who has since learned of his altered memories, seeks to justify his existence by killing Riku, and the real Riku ends up destroying him. And Riku eventually decides to face Ansem upon learning from Namine that Ansem still lives in his heart. And Riku defeats him, and then, uh, or rather, Diz summons Ansem from Riku's heart, and Riku defeats him. And that's when Riku decides that he's going to set out on a journey to help utilize both his darkness and light, basically kind of controlling it. And Mickey kind of serves as a mentor. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't play through the Riku mode, which is called Reverse Rebirth, just because by the time I got done with cha- the initial chain of memories, I was kind of sick of the game and didn't want to deal with the um, battle system. Because um, unlike the... Uh, um, Unlike the first game, this one's battle system is all card-based combat. Or rather, it, it's it's still action but instead of just, you know, hitting things with your keyblade, um, all of your actions are done with cards. So, this you want to cast a spell. This is dimly familiar. I am yeah. kind of remembering something about this, deciding I don't feel like messing with this any longer, and stopping. Yeah, I, I don't know why they decided to go with card-based combat fists. Because, you know, the action stuff is there. So why have cards do? I don't know. Maybe they were tr- maybe they were trying to appeal to the Yu-Gi-Oh! crowd or something. Was it something based on the developer that they picked for this? or You know, I... It was Jupiter? Yeah, I honestly don't know. Um, I just know that um, your keyboards all have cards, spells, items, etc., um, each card has a number, and they cancel each other out during combat. So you swing your key ba- blade, it plays a card. If a heartless 
plays a higher number card, then, then it'll break it. And you also have the zeros, which can be broken, but they can also break any card. So it, you need to have a bunch of zeros in your deck to kind of counteract very high numbers. Um, you I can also the remake of Shining Force on GBA had a card system added that didn't really amount to much, but yeah, could that, that have been a thing? Only, that was only one character, though, and that was an optional character. It was, but... Maybe this is the thing. All we need to do is find a third GBA game that came out in the middle of the system's lifespan that used cards, and maybe we'll have a theme going. Oh, I'm sure that there was plenty of Yu-Gi-Oh games. But, um... So, go ahead. is the cards that the Heartless have, are they visible? Can you see, like, yeah. the number that pops up when yeah. you're attacking them? Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically like 52-card pickup when you're doing a battle because you're throwing out cards and they're throwing out cards. And Yeah, I don't think there's, like, any real, like, oh, hey, they threw that on this card. Let me, let me pick this higher card out of my hand and get that. Like, like yeah. I just remember hitting the button and just hoping I had better numbers and better cards overall. Yeah, if you had, like, okay, if you had because... a nine... Like, for example, if you throw out a nine, the Heartless would, like, sit there throwing cards at your nine, trying to break it until it hit a zero. And then if it got lucky and hit a zero, then it would break your combo. Yeah. Now, the player did have one huge advantage over the Heartless. The player believes in the heart of the cards. The Heartless, (laughs) well, they don't believe in the heart of anything. So there you go. Game one. And the other thing, too, was that you could press the L or R, I think it was both of them at the same time, to lock three cards into place to make a slight. And that's how, you like, for example, if you locked three fire cards together, you would summon Faraga. Or if you locked three Keyblade cards together and it amounted to a certain amount, you would do, like, a Sonic Driver, you know, like some Keyblade move. And the... Now, was, was that in the Game Boy version, too? Yeah, that, that was in both versions. Okay. So the okay. advantage to that was that, you know, obviously you could hit higher numbers and they were harder to break. The disadvantage with that is that one of the cards would disappear from your deck for that battle unless you used that potion to reload all the cards. So you really had to strategically set up your deck, you know, have a whole bunch of combos, maybe a couple of spells, um, some healing stuff, and then a couple of potions or others so that you could... Um, you know, once you start to use use all of your cards and slides, you could do a computer. Um So you could very easily kind of screw yourself over in the game. Uh, and the, the other thing, too, is that all the worlds had special action cards. Um, and like, characters like Donald or Goofy couldn't be in your party. It was just you and Sora versus the... It was basically Sora versus the Heartless. But then, like, a Donald or Goofy card or a Simba card or a Genie card would show up, and that would get be in your deck. And you could either use that to do a screen nuke or slight, save up for three of them to really do a screen. Uh, okay. And the, the I other... did oh, go ahead. this up last night, and I think I put about an hour, hour and 15 minutes into it. Um maybe twice of what I did back in <laughs> back back in 2007, 2008, or whenever we got this. Mm-hmm. Um, I had borrowed it from someone, gave it a little try. I was like, mm, I'm not so big with the isometric. And yeah, immediately the cards, kind of like what Mike said, I was like, nope, don't want to mess around with that. So I, I did play around a lot last night with it. And I, I, I do remember summoning Donald once or twice. Um, I never got into the combos. I don't know if that pops up right away, or maybe I just didn't know how to do it, and it didn't explain it, so... Yeah. 
I mean, I think uh, Leon from Final Fantasy VIII shows you how to do the combos almost immediately. Um, ah, but you, uh, you might have... for that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, th- th- there's another, like, hidden thing to the system that the game doesn't even tell you at all, is that, you know, each of Sword's attacks have a three-hit combo, which is a strike, a thrust, and a finisher. And certain Keyblade cards are better with parts of the combos than others. So the key <laughs> to getting through the game mm-hmm. is to build out your deck with these three-point combos in mind so that, you know, each hit is kind of counting. And I, I discovered this while playing through the PS2 version a couple of years ago, and it baffled me that nothing in the game tells you this. I had to look up a guide. I don't, re- I don't remember hearing anything. Yeah. I, in the early going, where you would expect information to be conveyed to the player who might in fact want to need want to know this stuff that i might just actually use no i just remember uh here here are cards spin them around a lot whack things maybe if your card works have have fun and i honestly don't know if it's one of those things like with pokemon ev and evs and ivs where you know you could play through an entire pokemon game and never do the ev or iv leveling system and get through so I wonder if it's like a hidden thing in there for min-maxers or if it's something that you have to utilize. I know that I, once I figured out how to do set up your combos like that, it, the game got a whole lot easier. Um, but the, the other thing, too, is that uh, the Chain of Memories version was a little bit better balanced. Or I'm sorry, the um, PS2 version, which is also the one that was in the 1.5 remix, it, they kind of balanced out some of the game a little bit. So... That one is a lot easier, and I'm not sure about the PS2 version, but the uh, 1.5 Remix version has a difficulty slider. So I just I just dropped it down to easy and just kind of played through the entire game. Hmm. Did you ever uh, really understand what you were doing in battle, or just hope oh, yeah. for the best? Yeah, I... I... I utilized that whole three-point combo system and min-maxed and pretty much had a cakewalk through the PS2 version of the game. I also remember when it first came out, beating the original GBA version and not having too much of a problem. But, you know, that was back when I I just graduated college and was still job hunting, so I had time. And I also remember um, getting that game for Christmas the same year that I got my uh, original Fat DS for christmas so that's pretty much all i played on that because there wasn't there wasn't jack for the ds at that point in time no no this would have been the end of 2004 then yeah yeah i i distinctly remember i didn't get a ds at the time because i mostly i wanted to be able to play game boy color and game boy stuff which the ds wouldn't wouldn't do but also the library for the thing at launch was pretty pitiful yeah, my parents actually got me one for Christmas that year, and I didn't even really ask for one because I don't like getting – most of the time I don't like getting systems. This year they came out because of the drought, and they surprised me with it, and I was kind of shocked, and I really appreciated it. But for a while, like my DS was basically a glorified GBA until more stuff came out. I haven't gotten a system from relatives for a gift since – the Sega Genesis my grandpa got me for Christmas of 92. Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised that my parents did that for me that year, and I, I was really grateful for it. I think I was like a senior in college when they did that for me. But um, <laughs> side tangent, I think like the first DS game that I really played the crap out of was Dawn of Sorrow. 
and I can't remember when that came out. I know it was, that it was mid two thousand five. Yeah, yes, I remember because I I had a job at that point and like it was right next to the GameStop, and every Wednesday, it's like, oh my god, is there something for the system like I can play? Okay, let's try to... this Yoshi's Touch and Go. Oh wow, I'll... this game is garbage. I'll have to. Talk we may to... have to do more Castlevania in the future, but we're. I think Mel about... wants to talk to us about the wonders of Chain of Memories and why he was so enthralled with the game that he had to he... play through it multiple times, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I went through I found every ending, let me tell you. Uh, no, but uh, I'll, I'll have to talk about my, my early DS experience. You just kind of reminded me of my story and something that ties into something going on today. I'll do that on the final lap. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, for... for I'm glad you gave us, you know, a lot of that story and exposition because, to be honest, I don't remember any of it. Yeah. And uh, and so um, I just played through for the game. I love cards. I love cards and games. I love, like, if you guys haven't gone out and played it, I've talked about Once in a Blue Moon on this show, Cold Sept. Speaking of uh, 3DS anyways, it's on the 3DS mm-hmm. now. Great combination of Monopoly and, and Magic the Gathering. It's like peanut butter and jelly. I always give a plug for that when I can. But, uh, you know, whether you put them with action games or whatever, I, I just always get into them. But they don't always work out super, super great. I remember there was one on the, the, the oh my gosh, the GameCube, Kingdom. Does anybody but remember what it was? Just... No, no, had cards oh, in it. Lost Kingdoms. Lost Kingdoms, thank you. I knew there was Kingdoms in it. Okay. And kind of like Lost Kingdoms, I was initially enthralled because I love anything with collecting cards. And I will say, like, Chain of Memories kept me entertained Mostly because of the card collecting aspect and kind of mm-hmm. working to get deck together and just seeing how it worked out the Heartless. Uh, and I think one or two of the boss battles were kind of memorable. Uh, but yeah. that got me through like one playthrough, which wasn't all that long. It did not. I, I did see that there was another playthrough you could do with the other character. Mm-hmm. And nope, nope. The one run through, I was, you know, I was done. It was like, yeah, I got my mileage out of this. I, I didn't feel like it was as good, nearly as good as like Cold Sept or anything like that, that I want to go back and do it over and over again. Because like you said, you just kind of like, it's 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 like 52 card pickup. And there's, mm-hmm. so it takes, there is, there could have been a lot more strategy somehow in this. And it just, you just don't feel it. And I think that's why they tried to interject that combo strategy into, you know, slice, thrust, finisher thing to, like, I don't know, maybe inject some strategy into it so that you weren't just putting all nines and zeros in your deck, but because they never tell you about it in the game specifically, you don't really know. And you, you talking about not playing through the Riku story reminded me that the Riku story, you don't even get to pick your deck. Every floor of Castle Oblivion is a fixed deck. So mm-hmm. you pretty much have to make do with what you have and while it's great for people that like to use strategy you know for me i didn't really think the combat was in depth enough to i don't know tie your hand behind your back like that mm. um and i i don't know if you guys experienced this the same way i did but um because the rooms in, in each world are I don't want to say randomly generated, but more like you generate the rooms using the cards that you get from enemies. And sometimes, you know, you can get rooms with a buff, like all enemies are asleep or all enemies, their cards are negative one or whatever. And sometimes you can get rooms that are more challenging, but you get better rewards, like all the enemies have a plus one to their cards and stuff like that. And the frustrating thing about that was that 90% of my time was trying, because you have to, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, you have to 
open doors. The doors have restrictions on them. So, like, it'll ask for a card that's equal to three, or a red card, or a... Yeah, a card greater than a certain number or something like that. And 90% of your time in this game is running around killing Heartless, trying to get it to drop a specific room card so that can go through the game. And the game also doesn't tell you that you can uh, max out on these cards, so you'll spend like 20 minutes fighting things, not getting any card drops, wondering why you can't progress, and it's because you've maxed out, so you've got to drop a bunch of room cards. And for me, that was the most frustrating thing about the game, was, you know, trying to find a red 8 card or something to make the room just to get to just to progress. And I don't know if you guys remember that part of the game or not. Now that you, now that you bring it up, I, I do. It was, it didn't, again, it didn't really seem to add anything to me. Like, it wasn't that memorable. But now that you talk about it, I kind of remember doing that. Um, yeah. Might might have been that might have been, you know have more thought put into it might have been a cooler you know concept uh with some you know more you know kind of tying it in with row like elements but yeah tied into your cards that set up certain types of room which I think that's what it a little bit what it was but again it just didn't feel memorable it just wasn't it wasn't that well executed it, it never felt fully realized yeah I, I think that's a good way to put it I mean the whole game just doesn't feel that fully realized it's not to say that it isn't somewhat fun and that it doesn't have its own little charm. Like you said, it was enough for me to play through at least once, which is mm-hmm. saying something. I don't get through most games, but um, well, you know, but it's not enough to play through back, again. Phil, I think your life was slightly less cluttered then. Yeah, yeah. but my backlog wasn't wasn't uh, uh, quite as big. Well, let's wrap this up because we got a bigger game to talk about. Yeah. Uh, what are our final uh, thoughts here? Well, while you guys talk, I'm going to pull up the price. Um, well, if you have to play through this game because it does kind of. It does bridge the gap between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 if you yeah. play the 1.5. Um, it's better balanced. It's easier to play through. It's got voice acting. Um, I believe it has the difficulty sliders so that you can you don't have to worry so much about the nuance. Uh, it's, it's just a better game overall, and it's easier uh, to get your hands I'm on. I'm afraid I'm going to have to disagree with you on that, Ms. Rowley, okay. because... Our listeners, they demand the best, okay? And and while you want to argue that 1.5 is the best, eBay says that the Game Boy Advance must be the best because it costs a lot more and people only pay more for what's better, right? I mean, that's just that's just capitalism. So I found a brand... Because our, our, our audience wants brand new in the box. I found brand new in the box, lowest price on eBay, according to eBay, $134.99. And we'll even throw in some free shipping for you. I was going to do you see any high prices on the uh, PS2 version? Because with coming out in 2008, I can't imagine that they printed very many copies of that. A uh, brand new copy of that one. You can pick that boy up for 25 bucks. So clearly the Game Boy Advance one is the better one. Well, that, people that want to pay is... six times as much. That is shocking. You would think that a PS2 game that late in the cycle would be just a gold mine. Yeah, but... no, you got you got used copies. You can grab those uh, used copies for fifteen, maybe sixteen ish. Um, there's one going for you know without the case or anything going for as low as ten. Uh, but uh, you want the Game Boy Advance? I mean, sure, you could buy a used cartridge alone for eight bucks. But come on, this is the RPG backtrack. You want that bad boy, new mint, and in the box for the low, low price of one thirty four ninety nine. I like how they do it, like one ninety one thirty four ninety nine. Not one thirty five, one thirty four ninety nine. That's salesmanship. 
It is. It, it makes a whole big impression on your audience when they have to spell out multiple extra syllables. And it it's – what is that? Less than one hundredth of one percent difference at that stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did, uh, did either of you two have any thoughts on this? Oh, I guess I'm not retiring on that copy of – PS2 Chain of Memories. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe you can, Kelly. All you have to do is sell it and put whatever you make from it. Incredibly good investment option. And then sit on that for 30 years. Or just get somebody famous, like maybe the angry video game nerd, to do to do a lash out video on this. And then it'll start selling like hotcakes and the value of your disc will go up. Oh, I know what I need to do. I need to buy out all the copies and drive up the demand. There you go. That's That'll work. There you go. Smart That'll... thinking there. I like the way you think. Um, so, so soon there will be a whole lot of eBay and Amazon sellers wondering why they're mailing all of their Kingdom Hearts 1.5 copies to Kansas, right? Yeah, yeah no, not one, not 1.5 uh, rechain of memories on PS2. Now this, okay. now is this part you can, you know, with the with the 2.5 or 2.8 collection HD whatever on the PS4? Is this a playable game, or is this one of those yeah. that they just show you the videos? No, it's fully playable. Okay, so yeah, you got multiple, you got multiple ways to experience this. Uh, but make sure, of course, if you're listening to this, that you buy the absolute best version, which is, of course, the Game Boy Advance brand new in the box for only one thirty four ninety nine. Moving on, uh, let's jump right into Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, this was developed by Square Enix Product Development Division, uh, published by Square Enix, released in North America March 28th, 2006, a single-player action RPG experience for your PS2. And, of course, now you can have one on product it. development division? Yeah, I, I, it does say Product Development Division 1. So, you know, I, I, that implies that there are other Product Development Divisions. It also might explain why some Square Enix games take so very, very long to come out. Hmm. Um, there aren't enough Product Development Divisions. Well, you know, they're actually split up. They're, they're the ones making the, this game for the PS3 and then the PS4. So you got so many ways to experience Kingdom Hearts 2 nowadays. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear you all talk about it because my experience was very brief. I started playing it, realized that the beginning introduction, whatever sequence that you go through a town was very reminiscent of the first game, which took forever. And I just wasn't going to do that to myself again. I had promised myself after getting through the two-hour introduction, jumping around, collecting baubles section of Kingdom Hearts 1, that I was never going to play that game again. So when Kingdom Hearts 2 pretty much had a very similar introduction, in my opinion, I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. But but tell me why I should. I'm, I'm, I'm well, assuming you're going to tell me why I should. But well, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, right? Well, before we do that, we need to invite Wheels. No. Mm-mm. He's dead to me. <laughs> Nope, haven't seen a Monster Hunter forever. He's off, you know, playing hockey or something. Does other podcasts. He's been cheating on me behind my back. That's what this really comes down to. Have you not been able to play Monster Hunter without him? It's not the same, Mike. It's just not the same doing it by yourself. It's a lonely affair. Mr. Apps, you appear to have jaded Phil to a horrific extent with your lack of Monster Hunter lately. Oh no! I was gonna say he sounds like he's he's a wife that was cheated on or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've played some Monster Hunter. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh. Yep. 
Yeah. You can go hide, hide in a corner now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm <laughs> so like he, the I'm like the jilted lover that spies on him because I'll be logged into like Steam or PlayStation or whatever it is, and it'll say Apps is playing Fortnite or whatever it is. And you know, I have like, never played Fortnite oh. on my PS4. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen some Twitches recently. Mm-hmm, a Fortnite. This implies probably. that you've played Fortnite on things other than your PS4. Mm-hmm. I what's played this on my Fortnite? Phone. I was going to say, what's this Fortnite you speak of? Is it a video game? It's like a uh, third-person shooter roguelike. Uh, but is it ugh. as good as Kingdom Hearts 2? So who wants to talk about the uh, plot of Kingdom's Heart 2? Well, well, let me ask you guys something. Who who wants to go play as Sora and have another fun adventure? You know, before we go anywhere, can I ask this? Why does everyone have such gigantic shoes in Kingdom Hearts? Mickey. Um, kind of matching the cartoon style. Yeah, it's a fashion statement. Okay, it just looks weird for Sora and all other supposed people to be walking around with size 40 clown shoes. Uh, you know what they say about Maybe Sora's like with large feet? No, I don't. Large hearts. Indeed. They keep them from being heartless. Hey, oh. So, I, let me ask you guys again. Who, who wants to go have another fun adventure with Sora? I don't. Oh, Mr. Contrarian. I... I, I... I literally want to play as every other new character in the Kingdom Hearts series other than Sora. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm asking the other people who okay. you know, clearly are Sora fans and want to go play a- as Sora right from the start. Uh, ago, my answer would have been yes. Yeah. I, I have no feelings here, I cannot say. Oh, well, unfortunately in this game you've got to spend six hours as a character named Roxas for... Um, that doesn't game sound... Action. Say what? Found the best use of my first six hours. Yeah. So the 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 game starts you out as Roxas in Twilight Town, in a town called Twilight Town. Now, bear in mind this takes place one year after Chain of Memories, and your character named Roxas, who looks weirdly like Sora, but at, at first you kind of think it's Sora, but then you know the hair is different and the clothes are different, and he's kind of a little more emo than Sora. And you're like, okay, well, I'm this kid, and I'm in Twilight Town, and I'm bummed out because summer is winding down. And you're hanging out with your friends, and suddenly someone stole your blank. And you have no idea what your blank what? even is. Your blank. Yeah, like, your blank. My blank is. <laughs> your blank? Somebody stole your... Literally, in the game, they like bleep out whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought somebody had stolen my... My pyrotechnic bullet that isn't going to do anything unless you're Brandon Lee. Oh no, yeah. this, is, this is Kingdom Hearts, so they're going to do something really weird. So yeah, so you have to go find that, and you start seeing weird, go- and they kind of look like ghosts at this point around, like out of the corner of your eye, and you chase them down, and you find, discover that they're creatures called nobodies, and for some reason, I can't remember if Rox could summon a keyblader in this section. I don't think he could. It's been a while, but he defeats them, and you find out that the blank is actually your photo. And all this crazy stuff starts going down in Twilight Town. And you know, before this happens, you're getting a, you are in a tournament called Struggle, where you actually kind of learn how to fight. And you Struggle. go, you go get to beat the crap out of Cipher and his gang with a wiffle bat, which is actually kind of fun. And uh, they also show, for, for the first time, they show Setzer from Final Fantasy VI in 3D, and he's actually kind of a douche. 
which, you know, made me upset at the time because Seltzer was one of my favorite Final Fantasy VI characters. Same here. But, um, so anyway, as stuff gets crazier in Twilight Town, you start running into, you know, Organization 13 members and you find out that you were actually Sora's nobody from when he turned Heartless in Kingdom Hearts 1. And that you are trapped in suspended animation and that this whole thing with Twilight Town was just a simulation while uh, Diz and Riku are trying to restore Sora's memories. And eventually Roxas kind of gives up and Sora is returned whole and comes out of the pod along with Donald and Goo. And in your journal, there's text that says, thank Namine. And that's when the game actually starts. Now, let me tell you about this six hours sequence. It is slow as balls. Oh, yes. Incredibly slow. It wouldn't end. It just wouldn't end. It was a nightmare. I, I think the thing that the thing that got to me was having to like do odd jobs for money to be able to enter the struggle tournament and how tedious that was. Oh my god. I can't do it anymore. And everybody that has ever played Kim Hearts 2 complains about this sequence because not only is it slow, but you pretty much had to have played Chain of Memories to know what is going on. Oh yeah. I'd rather play the first two hours of Dark Spire. Now, let's see. Are you sure about that? Yeah, the first two hours is before I realized how how obtuse and arbitrary it was. So it was almost kind of like fun, you know, almost. That like, was the part where you got to spend whole rounds of combat where nobody hit anything, right? Well, this is yeah. kind of true, but I'm kind of, you know, D&D person. I'm a little immune to that. I'm used to that. It was just, it was cool. Like, you know, oh my gosh, it's gothic-y and it's got a cool, like, soundtrack. You can flip between the old mode and the new mode. It's when it was like, you know, it was kind of exciting before it started, you know, before I started seeing the man behind the curtain. See, Kingdom Hearts 2 is just the opposite. It's very boring to start off with. And then I'm hoping you guys tell me it's fun later on. Dark oh, Spire, super fun later early. And then you realize it sucks. Yeah, oh, it gets, it gets super fun later on, because when, yeah. when the actual story begins, you know, King Mickey and Yen Sid, the sorcerer from um, Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, sends Sora on another journey, and his goal is to find Riku and under, um, uncover the organization's plans, and then this is when you get your gummy ship and get to, you know, go out into the world. And I think this game has the most interesting variety of Disney worlds in in the series to date. Um, oh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean you've my got... My favorite one. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, this was my favorite entry. All, all the worlds were quite... Yeah. Excellent. I mean, I've, I've got most I've got most of the interesting ones li- listed here. You actually get to go through Mount Olympus this time, and it's not just a coliseum. Mm-hmm. And you get Orin from Final Fantasy X in your party, who is the most badass character ever. He tells Hades to go F himself, pretty much. That's not exactly what... In my mind, that's what he said to Hades. And just, ha- just having that character in my party, and not only that, but... Um, in the context of Final Fantasy X, it made sense why he was there. It just, oh, it made me want to cry. And then you've also got my favorite world, is the Lion King world, which plays as a button lion Sora with a keyblade in his mouth. And getting to go through that story. Um, what else? you got a Steamboat Willie world with, you know, cute, cartoony, 30s-style Sora, Donald and Goofy. And it's all in black and white with... um 
Calliope music playing, and all that world is so amazing. Um, you've got the Tron world, which granted isn't as fun because I'm not as big of a fan of the uh, the 80s Tron as I am the modern one, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. And I think that one actually has um, Tron's voice actor. I mean, I've never even seen Tron, and I absolutely had a blast with that world. So yeah. it's very well done. Keep in mind, then, this game came out before Tron Legacy. Yeah. So there was no way to include that. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Square remakes it now. Yeah, well, well, we'll get into Tron Legacy in another well, Wait a minute, time. haven't they already remade this a hundred times? <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Well, Apparently they're just remastered. <laughs> But Remastered, in, okay, yes. And this one brought us uh, Uncanny Valley World, a.k.a. Pirates of the Caribbean, which, you know, that was before we were sick of Pirates movies and before Johnny Depp kind of became a problematic person back, back when we still liked Johnny Depp. and still Don't you worry, him. Kelly. We're going to get a new Pirates of the Caribbean that's a reboot. They're going to throw out Johnny Depp and have something and just reboot it. As long as Jack Sparrow is there, but played by a different person, I'm cool with that. Because I, I love Jack Sparrow and I hate how that character got tainted because of Johnny Depp. Mm, but, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, the P- Pirates world was just awesome, even though, you know, seeing realistic humans with PS2 graphics paired up with anime characters and cartoon characters is just a little bit jarring. Um, I don't know if anybody else felt the same way. Um, you've also got the Nightmare Before Christmas world again, but this time they focus more on the Christmas Town part of it, which was which was kind of neat. Um, you've got Mulan's world. The game is just stacked. Be yeah, man. <laughs> um, I think you go back what to Agrabah. I, I actually forgot that Mulan's world was even in this game. That's how many yeah. there are. Is there a Tarzan world? No. Um, no. They couldn't. They couldn't even do Tarzan's world in the uh, GBA game, which was a rehash, rehash of the first game, because they couldn't get the rights. It's fine. It was the worst world in the first game. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> agree with that. I mean, not only was the platforming awful, but it had had anti or it had cat violence, which I don't approve of, because you have to beat up that leopard. <laughs> what about a Hunchback of Notre Dame level? That's not until Birth by Sleep. Okay. And I, I know that there will be a Pocahontas level in all of them, right? No. Thankfully, no. Yeah, Pocahontas. Thankfully? Terrible oh, movie. <laughs> you heard me. I said it. Oh, I hate that movie. You do, not like, you do not like painting with all the colors of the wind? No. Uh, I think literally... The wind has so many colors, though. <laughs> I, I think literally... I mean, whether only... you're white or copper-skinned. I mean, it just... <laughs> you gotta ask yourself, you know... Can you sing with all the colors? I, I just, I don't know why you're so offensive, defensive about that. Really? You can um, own the earth and all you'll own is earth until. You can yeah, until. all the colors of the wind. Maybe maybe that's what's striking to your core right now. Maybe that's why you find it so offensive. You just own earth. Also, if you sing that song, you can take a baby bear cub away from its mother and it'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that, did you? Totally. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have a grinning God. bobcat. I just have a grinning regular cat, but I don't know why he grins. And you guys are making me remember way too much of that god awful movie. You know, why the, would you do this? You know what? Why would you I do recently this? rewatched it. Pocahontas is better than Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. There, I said it. I, I will say, like, uh, we love the gold song. You know, it's all mine. Gold, mind me that gold. We play. I love the villain. 
Uh, Fun fact about that movie, apparently they thought that The Lion King was going to be the flop, so they put all of their effort into Pocahontas because they thought that that one was going to win them the Oscar. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what about the rescuers? Do we have a rescuers level? There should be. I I wish. They had two movies, god darn it. You know, just as a side tangent, I've said this on Twitter before, that I want an entire Kingdom Hearts with nothing but, like, the era from the 60s to the 80s up through Oliver and Company, but before Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Well, well, why should I worry? Why should I care? (sighs) Just because not not only people consider that the dark age of Disney, but that's my favorite era because it has all of my favorite movies like The Aristocats and Robin Hood, Jungle Book. Uh, Oliver and Company. Yeah, Pete's Dragon? Uh, let's see, Escape from the Black Cauldron? To Mountain. The Black Cauldron isn't great, but it's better than it deserved to be treated. Yeah. It was treated worse than it deserved. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that movie could have been awesome if they would have actually let them do what they wanted with it. But, yeah, uh, I, I noticed a pattern that pretty much all of those movies from the 60s to Oliver and Company involve animals somehow, which probably explains why I'm, why I'm a little bit of a furry. <laughs> a little furry? Say what? It's something that could happen? Oh, I don't know. But regardless, <laughs> though the whole point is that I want an Aristocats world. Make it happen. Okay. I want Kitty Sora. But, um... <laughs> Well, isn't lion sore technically a kitty sore? Yeah, I just want a house Wait, cat. Is there a sword in the stone level? No, no. but there should that, be. That is a travesty. That could easily be made into a level. There isn't a, there isn't a sword in the stone level, but Merlin is in the games. I want to have some kind of contest where you keep turning each other into things. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. But um, I think the only quote-unquote bad world in this in this game is the Little Mermaid one, which is just a music game. And you don't even have to do that one if you don't want to, because all you get from that is just items. Does it include... Is it using music from the movie, or is it something new? I, I think the first song is music from the movie, or something new, and then eventually it does Under the Sea. As it should. But the whole point is that you don't have to do that level at all if you don't want to. It's kind of a breather world. But uh, yeah, the, the Little Mermaid one was my least favorite one in the last game, just because of having under the sea in a loop. <clears throat> but I think that's all the worlds I went through. At least all the ones that kind of left an impression on me. Um, I don't know if There's anybody probably had... no Fox and the Hound level either. No, no. There was uh, there was some uh, Pirates of the Caribbean in this one too, right? Yeah. I yeah, I called it Uncanny Valley World. <laughs> but um so you're you're going through wait. Has Disney dared to put any Marvel stuff into the most recent Kingdom Hearts? No. 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 Okay. Well, mm, isn't Big Hero Six, Six technically yeah, that, Marvel? That could count. I mean and and I you know, getting a little ahead of ourselves, I'm gonna be honest with you, I was not impressed with the worlds and three as much as this game. I love Toy Story World, but I'm not very far in 3. I I liked Toy Story World. I love the Pirates one, believe it or not, even though it was very uncanny valley. Um, I just thought that, and I know that they did this to appeal to kids, but I thought that they went a little too modern and should have 
you know, threw in a couple of classic ones in there just for us old fans. I'm pretty sure they had a mandate not to do that, unfortunately. Oh, so sad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were forced to do all the newer stuff. But, but well, to be myself. as fair as I can, there's been 13 years between Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3. Plenty of time for Disney to come up with a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. Because we definitely needed to have Let It Go on repeat again, right? Ugh. And now Frozen 2 is coming later this year. Is that this year? Okay. Yep. And you yeah. know you, you know it's going to get in your head. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Let it go again. Let it go again. I, you know, I appreciated the, the two Pixar worlds quite a bit, but I think my problem with three was that they they did a lot of the modern movies that I was mad on, and not the ones I really liked, like Zootopia and Wreck It Ralph. Oh, Zootopia would have been so good. Oh, it would have been. I was, oh, I was, God. I was underwhelmed by Zootopia. <sighs> I was. Uh, but no, let's let's say. That, Okay, 2006. Yeah, we'll what what Pixar well. stuff could we have put in there in 2006? We could have put The Incredibles in there. That would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. We would could Wally? have. Put, was there any Finding Nemo? Probably. No. Not. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I had so many cool jokes in there, and they just went unheard. And I had to reset my microphone. Oh God, the moment is past now. You know what I'm going to do though. I'm gonna put, you know, I'm gonna put it at the end of the podcast. Y'all are gonna hear. Can you hide, have y'all seen that show? Can you hide a, or that that rendition? Can you hide a body? Do you want to hide a body? <laughs> have you ever seen it? Where you know it's to the tune of uh, what's it called uh, from from Frozen? The song where do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to build a snowman? Right, but it's like, do you want to go hide a body? You know, oh, it's really fun. <laughs> it's been decaying all day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it is I, really I, well done. Yeah, we How totally... could they not have included a level based on Dinosaur? Remember that one? Ooh. Oh, God, no. That movie was Why terrible. Why would you make me remember that? Because it's a Disney movie. Oh, hey, let me watch this with my little kid. Oh, God, the father died. Thanks, Disney. Thanks. Seriously, Mr. Epps, you know every every other Disney movie has one or both parents die. I, hey, just sure. Hey. It just wasn't as depressing as it was in Dinosaur. I don't know what it was. That movie is just depressing. <laughs> hey, it could have been worse. Home we on the got, range. We could have gotten a Chicken Little movie, which I've heard is like the worst Disney movie, just because of how horrible the characters are. Uh, I I found it completely forgettable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was, no, uh, Bolt. That was Disney. That was kind uh, of. Yeah, I kind of like Bolt. Though. I haven't seen all of it. Which is weird, because it is starring a dog. Yeah. Yeah, I just wasn't sure how anti-cat it was going to be. I don't remember it being particularly <laughs> anti-cat. Okay, that's good. I, I remember it being, this was before any most of the theaters around here had 3D screens, so I had to go out of my way to see it in 3D. It hmm. wasn't really worth it, but it was an experience. But, you know, we could Dreamcast Disney Worlds all day, but um, get, getting back to the game at hand. Yeah, th- where's my that darn cat level? Uh, Christina Ricci version or old version? Well, we, well, I don't think Disney remembers either at this point, so take your pick. Uh, Where's my the parent trap level? Hmm. Once again, Haley Mills or Lindsay Lohan? Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> that, that, that does sound like a good idea. We need to have as much baggage in the level as possible. <laughs> uh, shaggy dog level with creepy human-eyed dog Tim Allen. Oh, God. Santa Claus level. More Tim Allen. That actually could be interesting. 
Okay, back to the game. Yes, back, back to the game. Enough movie dreamcasting and not dreamcast either. So you, you're going through all these Disney worlds, you know, Disney worlds and Kingdom Hearts. You pretty much go through the story uh, of the said Disney world. There's not a lot to say. Um, while this is going on, sorry, I got completely distracted trying to do a joke. Uh, <laughs> Um, while this is going on, you're kind of getting taunted by Organization 13 and stuff like that. Um, you get all through the Disney worlds. You eventually go back to Hollow Bastion, which I think gets renamed to Radiant Garden. And that's where all the Final Fantasy characters from the first game were originally from. Um, <clears throat> during a visit to Hollow Bastion, you, re re you reunite with Mickey, who explains that the heartless Anson that they defeated was actually an imposter named Xehanort, and his nobody, Zinmus, is the organization's leader. Um, that's one thing about nobodies in Organization 13, is that they have the original, or they're an anagram of the original name, but with an X. And so, Roxas, Sora. <laughs> Um, Lay, Lay is Axel, etc. So yeah, Zenmus is an anagram of Ansem. And Xehanort, you don't exactly know who Xehanort is because you don't really find that out until Birth by Sleep. But that was who the big bad in the game was this whole time. So the Ansem you knew is not the real Ansem. He's a fake Ansem. Um. <clears throat> That's when you thought you knew the guy. Yeah, yeah, why they didn't just name a different character, I don't know, because every this confuses the crap out of everybody that plays this series. Like, they don't understand why there's two Ansoms. <clears throat> so you find out that the organization is seeking the power of Kingdom Hearts, and they're trying to create an artificial Kingdom Hearts because Sora is killing Heartless with his Keyblade, and I guess that's how you create an artificial Kingdom Hearts, and the whole reason why is so that the organization can regain their lost hearts. Um, you eventually go back to all the worlds to solve their problems, and while that's going on, the organization is holding Kyrie hostage. Um, eventually, you end up in a place called the world that the world that never was, and you also find out that um, you've been aided by a secret figure the whole time who turns out to be Riku. Uh, eventually, yeah, you enter a secret passageway through the world that never was, and at that point, Axel sacrifices himself to give you safe passage. Uh, you also end up finding out that that Diz guy who was voiced by... Um, Christopher Lee was the real Ansem the whole time, and he's his actual name is Ansem DeWise, and he was um, Xehanort's mentor. Are and you confused I'll, yet at all? <laughs> yeah. If I sound like I'm kind of having trouble, it's because this whole part of the game gets very confusing very quickly with all the different names and all, all of the stuff that was going on. Um Eventually, Ansem the Wise uses a device that dissipates some of Kingdom Hearts' power, and uh, it basically kills Ansem, but allows Riku to return to his original form. And then you get to the top of the castle that never was, and you eventually destroy Zenmus using Sora and Riku together and in a double fight that, for some reason for me, was really hard. And then they become trapped in the realm of darkness. They discover a portal to the realm of light. 
um, in the form of a bottle letter sent by Kyrie, allowing them to return to the Destiny Island. And that's pretty much um, that was kind of a bare bones summary of that game because there was actually quite a bit that went on, particularly with the Organization Thirteen stuff. Um, I think you faced pretty much every single one of them that you didn't kill in Chain of Memories as a boss fight. So, I'm sorry I kind of rattled that off really quickly, but... It's okay, you did much better than any of us probably would have done. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I don't even remember what happened at the end of the game. Um, You basically reunite with your friends on the Destiny Islands, and then in a post credit scene, Sora, Kairi, and Riku get a letter from King Mickey... And they never say what the contents are, are in the letter, and they needed a whole game to explain that. And it's literally all recoded is on the DS. It's just explaining what was in that letter. <laughs> I never played recode. Uh, I don't even have recoded. So that's why that just got the cutscene in the remaster. Yeah, yeah I don't collection. even. I didn't even bother watching that scenes in that one because all it was was just you playing as a data sword going through all the worlds again with uh, Mickey trying to figure out something. Uh, my CUNY Quest co-host Dave actually reviewed the game for the site and enjoyed it quite a lot, but okay, I believe he said that the story is basically irrelevant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I found out pretty quick that that's all that game entailed was just answering what was in that letter and once I found that out it's like I have no reason to play this yeah. for the story um, alright uh, I, I think that the com- moving on to the combat I think that the combat in this game was much more polished than Kingdom Hearts 1 oh my god like by leaps and bounds leaps and bounds I absolutely love to combat in this game and would happily seek it out if I was born. Yeah, it didn't feel nearly as clunky or just felt like you was just kind of mashing the X button. You really had to work on your combos and kind of fight defensively yeah. and st- stuff like that. And then it was it's also the game that introduced um, reaction commands, yep. which are, are a lot more cinematic and let you get kind of an edge up on some of the fights, even though some of them get kind of annoying, like Phil yelling, get on the Hydra's back! <laughs> But did, you I, in, I did you play in proud mode or did you play in the normal difficulty? Um, just normal. Um, okay. I'm too, I'm too much of a boy for proud, not to be honest with you. I beat it on proud mode, and my god, were some of those bosses ridiculous in the game? Yeah, and the last time I played through it, I played through the final mix version on the PS3 and saw how hard all of those rematch fights were with uh with the Organization 13, and I just couldn't get through them all. Um, and, and also, the, the the thing with the combat in this time around is that you get um, drive forms. Where I, I, I guess they sacrifice, like, your party member's power to let you get, like, more stats and um, better abilities. And some of them focus on magic, and some of them focus on combat. And I know that there's one that actually lets you dual-wield keyblades, which is really cool. It's the best one, is what it is. <laughs> Which form is that? Is that Valor or... I forget. Um, I did find it annoying that you had to level up a lot of those drive forms to get some of the abilities that you got throughout the course of the game in the first one, like the glide and high jump and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, then the whole was... It all worked out. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what you guys' thoughts were on the game. Oh, I really enjoyed it. I, I was someone who... I think I got the first Kingdom Hearts a little bit after it came out, not too long after. I loaded it up, and 
I think I got to Alice in Wonderland, which is the first Disney World, and eh, it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Kind of marketing or whatever was done for the second one that just really captured my attention. And to my games listed, like the months and the years I beat them. And I remember this vi- went back through Kingdom Hearts 1, beat it very shortly after 2 came out, and played 2 pretty much upon release. Mm-hmm. So I had a blast with it. Um, you're right about the battle system was so much better. And oh my gosh, I love the gummy ships. Yeah, I like the gummy ships a lot more in this one too, just because they felt more like a shoot 'em up and less, I, I don't know, tacked on. Uh huh. Um, I also really enjoyed the music in the gummy ship ones this time around just because it was very rockin' tunes. Yes, I, I, I vividly remember many nights just heading into the den and like, I'm just going to do gummy ships for an hour or two just for the hell of it. <laughs> just because I want to shoot a bunch of stuff. I never I mean, gummy- it, Go, go ahead. I was going to say, Blitzball in Final Fantasy X and Kingdom Hearts 2 are probably the t- in gaming that I've wasted hours <laughs> on that didn't need to be done at all. See, I, I didn't do that much gummy ship stuff in 2, even though I did like this the gummy ship stuff in this one a lot better. But boy, the gummy ship stuff in 3, I played the crap out of. And I know that's getting way ahead of ourselves, but it's because the gummy ship stuff in 3 is open world. So you got all kinds of space to go through. Yeah. Little teaser there. But, um, and you talk, talking about your experiences with this game, I, I've probably told this story on, uh, RPG cast before, but, um, this game is like one of the reasons why my husband and I started talking with, the, or started hanging out with each other because we both had a pre-order at the GameStop by our house, or rather by our work because we both were in the same office and we ended up you know, just going in the same car, hang, hanging out for lunch one day before we were dating, and went, went and picked up the game at the GameStop. And you know, I I was kind of a tough girl back then, and I gave him crap for buying a strategy guide, even though I ended up buying one myself. But I thought that I was, you know, being all tough, like, oh, you need a strategy guide. I don't need one. And then later, ended up eating those words, and he gave me crap for it. But <laughs> Yeah, Kingdom Hearts kind of became a special thing in our relationship because it was pretty much why we started hanging out. So I, I have very fond memories of this game and go, going and picking picking up picking it up with my husband, and then later on going on our first date, which interestingly enough was the uh, Silent Hill movie that came out about a month later. Which there's a date movie for you. I thought you guys would have more of a reaction to that. I've never Sorry seen about the I, I've never seen it either. So I've seen maybe it. Mr. Minky, I didn't find something. it very memorable. Maybe because I haven't played any of the games. Maybe because it was incomprehensible to someone who hasn't played the games, or maybe because it was way too long and I kind of got bored. It, it just it, it, it it's funny because it's not typical a typical movie that you would go on a date with, with someone <laughs> with. Not only yeah, because... well, you know what? I just watched The Notebook for the first time. Did I tell talk about this recently? Yeah, I I'm think sorry. you did. It's not very good. <laughs> but, but it was all right. But yeah, I mean, the one knock I would have about Kingdom Hearts 2 was that this was where the crazy stories just kind of kind of started seeping in a little bit. And unfortunately, it doesn't get any any better or more comprehensible. They really... 
kind of went off the rails with the story. It's fine. You don't need to know everything that's going on. Things are happening. People are unhappy or unhappy. Stuff is happening. Stuff gets resolved. It's Tetsuya Nomura being let loose. That's what you get with this storyline. Stuff is happening to cool people with lots of zippers. That's all you need to know. See, and you missed my uh, Kingdom Hearts... You weren't here for my Kingdom Hearts primer at the beginning where I was talking about the different terms like heart and heartless and princess of light and what Kingdom Hearts is and what nobodies are. And really, the whole series just kind of boils down to a fight between light and dark. Yep, that's pretty much it. Does the character Leonard Nimoy voices show up in two? No. That was Birth by Sleep and um, Dream Drop Distance. And he would have to be recast now because Leonard Nimoy is dead. Yep. Just as Christopher Lee. Unfortunately. And apparently the reason why Phil doesn't talk in Kingdom Hearts 3 is because his Japanese voice actor ended up dying. It happens. that Yeah. With the, with those, with the Japanese voice actors, they usually voice the same character forever until and unless there's a health issue. Mm-hmm. And I, I also didn't, because um, Phil in these games isn't voiced by Danny DeVito, it's voiced by a sound-alike. I didn't realize that that sound-alike was the guy who played the chief in Sewer Shark. And I only know that because <laughs> as as a kid, I played the crap out of Sewer Shark just because I thought if if I do well in this game, surely I'll get a better ending. Didn't really work out like that. I cannot remember that actor's name, but... He not only sounds like Danny DeVito, he kind of looks like him. Yeah, and he he shows up in all kinds of movies, too. I think he's in Die Hard. He's the one that says Merry Christmas. I think he's in, I, no, I think he's in Die Hard, too. Yeah, something like that. But that, that was just, when I found that out, I was like, huh, no wonder it sounded, kind of, sounded kind of like Kmart Danny DeVito, because it kind of is. And <laughs> just remembering that character from Super Shark and how much I played that, I was like, oh, small world. And yeah, the the voice cast in this game is pretty damn good. That they pretty much get every everybody back that they could. Uh, Aaron and is they his have the money to get them. Mm-hmm. Aaron is his original voice actor. I think Sephiroth changed. Well, he didn't have a voice in the original game. What the hell is he being based off now? Um, the, yeah, yeah, he he was uh, Lance Bass from NSYNC, the original game. I think he means. Well, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of seven. <laughs> Yeah, Lance Bass. Um, when I think dastardly villainy on a world scale, I think Lance Bass. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Definitely. Of course you do. Who wouldn't? Yeah, and that was just kind of a weird casting choice to me. I think whoever did that one just wanted to have the irony of having a boy band guy in uh, voice the most not- one of the most notorious villains of all time. I mean, how else is the world going to end in a symphony of boy bands? <laughs> well, maybe we should have Mark Wahlberg voice somebody in the next Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> you remember? Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, yo! He's going to sing yes. good vibrations until you drop! He'll always be Marky Mark to me. And then we could... Who were the members of New Kids on the Block? I don't remember. Um, I just know Mark Wahlberg's brother, whose name is escaping me. Is it Donnie Wahlberg? I think it is. Yeah. Okay. And, and, that, and let's see. Uh, the, uh, before I forget. O-Town. I O-Town. That's another boy band. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, they're from my town. They were all from my town. 
I just looked it up that Kmart Danny DeVito is named Robert Costanzo. Well, I I had to look that up. It was going to drive me crazy. But um, but you know, it's funny you're talking about boy bands, and then later we got an entire game with a Final Fantasy boy band. So kudos. Oh, and ninety eight degrees. <laughs> you're making you're bringing back all my. I thought they were suppressed memories of the boy band boom of twenty years ago. I didn't listen to boy bands when I, in the nineties. I listened to, I I was actually more into classic rock and eighties music. This was the brief period when I was actually watching MTV and listening to the current radio before I got turned off and stopped. Not that uh, I found see, much. In, is, uh, there wasn't much at the time that I actually liked, but I listened to it enough that it's in my head now. Yep, this is this is when I was uh, doing all my student teaching. So, what did all the students talk about? all the time when I was in those third through fifth grade classrooms is all these boy bands <laughs> living in Orlando at the time, you know, that's, did anyone talk about spice girls? No, no, no. Dang it. Who is no. your favorite spice girl? Mine or is this for the group? It's a group question. Sure. I, I don't know. I didn't like the spice. Girl when they were relevant. <laughs> uh, I, at the time I probably would have said ginger spice. <laughs> I don't think I remember the uh, names enough to uh... see. There was Posh, uh, Sporty. Um... Posh is the one who married David Beckham. Sporty is Mel C. Um, Baby is Emma Bunton. Let's see. Scary is Mel B. Ginger is Jerry Hollowell. I think it's everybody. I, I will Posh. say I. I do think Kingdom Hearts 3 missed a golden opportunity to have the characters from Final Fantasy 15 in a boy band or idol singer type mini game. Maybe, you know what? That may be saved for Kingdom Hearts 4 in the future. Might have been a little too close. You are really optimistic, Matt, thinking that Kingdom Hearts 4 is going to come soon instead of about 10 different... I didn't say soon. I said future. (laughs) You know, we might be talking 2030 here, but... I think that's still overly optimistic. <laughs> it took 13 years between two and three, after all. Yeah, unfortunately. At 13 years, okay, it's 2031, 2032. And I haven't paid any attention to the sales figures. Has three been enough of a success to warrant more games, or is Square Enix crying to its investors? Uh, you know, I haven't even looked up sales figures on three. It's over $5 million, I want to say. Well, that's still a disappointment, because... Square Enix would have told its investors to expect seven million. Yeah, five. Uh, Gamespot saying five million copies. So now that was a month ago. So oh, it was okay. Still okay. a disappointment based on investor reports. I'm sure. I know it became a very fast selling game. I say it's a disappointment because remember how many copies the new Tomb Raider game sold, and those were still disappointments. Yeah, um, I... that's true. Except the first one of those went on to become the best-selling Tomb Raider game ever, so it eventually worked out. Eventually, it did not work out immediately, which was what the investors wanted, and yeah. thus Square Enix had to go cap in hand to everybody saying, "I'm very sorry, investors, but we were not able to fulfill our grossly overly optimistic prognosis for the sales." Pro- we sold a lot, but not as not the ridiculous number that we told you to expect us to sell. Yeah, I guess what we're saying is that investors are greedy bastards. Unless Isn't that the you whole point are, of being unless investor? you are uh, bought into some kind of a pension fund that it, that is one of those investors, in which case you probably want them to be greedy bastards. <laughs> nah, probably not. 
I wouldn't know the first thing about investing. <laughs> anyway, back to well, King only Mars. five million copies. That's that's just terrible. It could, we know that it's six or seven by now. We're looking at month old data here. But that's the data which was presented to the investors as the release week oh, information. Touche. Investors don't want to come back and look at it later with fresh information. They've got new sales figures from newer games to look at. Wait, Square Enix has put out something new in the last month, hasn't it? Yeah, a bunch of sales on Steam and PS4. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I mean, the, despite the fact that you know the game did have its slow, or Kingdom Hearts 2 had its slow start, um, I still thoroughly enjoyed playing my time playing through it. Um, I don't know how you guys felt felt about it. I loved it. I don't care less how slow it started. It was all worth it in the end. Did well, way fr- too many dummy shit battles really to good. even remember the slow beginning. Well, I don't think you're the only one who feels that way, Apps, because you know there are people willing to pay a pretty penny for Kingdom Hearts Two, especially the right version, and I have spared. No effort in finding <laughs> that very special version for listeners of RPG Patrick. Sure, you could go out and buy, play this, you know, on your PlayStation 4 nowadays with 2.8 for, you know, what, 30 well, bucks, 40 2. bucks? 5, isn't it? Yeah, 2.5. 2.5 and 2.8 and whatever else there is. I've lost track. A few other decimals and fractions out there. But, uh, but, but, you know, our listeners, they want the best. Uh, they want to pay, like, more than full price. So I have found the ultimate hits, Kingdom Hearts 2, PlayStation 2, a Japanese edition, brand new, absolutely wrapped up for the low, low price of $32 for the next 24 months, which comes out to $653 and change. Whoa! You go on an installment plan for a game? Yeah, for this one, you need an installment plan. Yes. If I'm gonna do that, I'd rather just pick up Panzer Dragoon Saga. Uh, but, at least I've but, never so, played that. But you do so, get all right, Mister Apps. You yes. have played both. Mm-hmm. Would you say that Kelly's money would be better spent on Panzer Dragoon Saga or this Super Ultra Omega Ultimate Hits Edition of Shri- of Sealed Kingdom Hearts Two? Well, considering. That you can get Kingdom Hearts 2 on a modern PS4 system for a fraction of that price, uh, you should get Pants Dragon Saga. But if you buy that that PlayStation 4 edition, you will not earn six dollars and fifty four cents in eBay bucks. <laughs> I, I think we could all live uh, without the e-bucks. What did you say? <laughs> And on a side note, wrapping it up with the first game that we talked about, I didn't realize this until reading it just now, that the final mix version in Japan is what came with the Kingdom Hearts Rechain of Memories PlayStation 2 game when that was re-released in Japan in 2007. And we didn't get the final mix version, but we did get the PS2 version of Chain of Memories. Kind of sucks that they never... That up until the um, HD remix that we never got those final mix versions... At least, what, like, ten years later? Mm. Well, that we did eventually get, what is it, the Zodiac version of Final Fantasy XII? It just yeah. took about ten years. Yeah, between that and I think the um, international versions of Final Fantasy X and X, when they, I mean, that was the primary reason why I spent money on those remakes, was to, you know, get the ultimate versions of those games. It just kind of bugged me at the time that fi- finding out about these ultimate versions that we were never going to get. 
So listening to y'all talk about this, you've convinced me that I want to play this, but I still don't want to go through the beginning. It's kind of like Lady and the Tramp. I want the lady. I don't care about the tramp. So (laughs) (laughs) what movie is that? (laughs) It's a movie. It's a Disney movie. It came out before Little Mermaid. It's before some of y'all's time, but it's totally Lady and the Tramp. Anywho. So no, no, no. I'm about what if there was just the movie Lady? Right, that would be awesome. So here's <laughs> here's what I'm proposing. You know, I've still got this on PlayStation Two, so I just want to ship one of you guys my my memory cartridge. You can play through those first six hours and then send it back to me, and I'm, uh, I'll go play a real fun game while you do that. Uh, uh, I tell you what, drop a fifty in that envelope with the memory card, and we'll talk. Yeah, jeez, yeah, 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 you'd have to pay someone 50 bucks to go through that pain. Like, can't they just give you the good, fun gameplay stuff right at the beginning? Why'd they make you go through six hours of pain? No, Phil, you have to earn it. You have to prove that you want it. Uh, the two hours was bad enough in the first game. And, you know, for the record, in subsequent playthroughs, now that I kind of know how to fast-track that section, I don't hate it nearly as much as I did in the beginning. But, you know, bear in mind, I, I come home from work that You don't hate it nearly day. as much, but that's, that means you still do kind of hate it. That's like my cat's litter pan. Once he takes a dump, it stinks for a while, but eventually you kind of get used to it, and you sort of don't notice it as much. It's still shit. It's, it's still shit. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Yes, I went there. It's been that kind of night. I'm also not a fan of slow burns beginning of games. And um, a lot of the modern Zelda games up until Breath of the Wild had the exact same. Oh, yes. Yes. uh, Yes. Oh, my gosh. So many of those turn me off for that reason. And, and, you know, even Twilight Princess, as much as that one is kind of a slow burn, though I've heard that Skyward Sword is even worse. I consider Twilight Princess. It's not. Okay. I, I consider Twilight Princess my favorite. Twilight Princess. Uh, Twilight Princess is my favorite Zelda. Hand, hand, well, really? that and Link to the Past. Yes. All right. Well, which which one is yours, Mr. Moving from the Zelda podcast, Breath, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've somehow gotten off track, uh, which is what we do on the backtrack. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and wrap this made bit up. We've got a couple of other uh, segments to do. So uh, we're going to play some some Disney music. I'm going to find that one song I mentioned so I can make sure I put it at the end. Uh, you guys can't just make sure you listen to the entire MP3 of this podcast, boys and girls. It gets real fun. Uh, and we'll be right back.
welcome back. This is the CRPG Club segment where we get to talk about a game that we're playing from our computer role-playing game list. You can find that information over on our website, RPG Backtrack. There's a list of a game that we're playing every month, and uh, we talk about it in Discord and on Twitter and right here on the show. Uh, last month, or I've lost track of my months here. I can't remember if this was a January, February game, honestly. Uh, I think it was a February game. Secret of the Silver Blades. Uh, this is the third in a four-part series of Forgotten Realms, Dungeons & Dragons, Goldbox, Adventure, role-playing games I've been playing. It was released originally in 1990, developed and published by Strategic Simulations, Incorporated, and Wizardworks. And this is a tactical RPG single-player experience, unless you're handing the control around to everybody. I know all of you have played this before, right? Like several times through? Wait, did I hear gold box? Yeah, totally. It's a box, it's gold. I believe you've mentioned these once upon a time. Once or twice. You know, gold box games are the gift that keep on giving. For just a few bucks, for a few bucks in GOG, you get like 20 of these things, I swear. They multiply. And and now you get down with one, and there's another one waiting for you. It just it just doesn't end. So secrets. Freedom after midnight. Are they like gremlins? I think so. I think that's exactly what happens. Uh, this one three hundred. This one kind of uh, in a way continues your adventure from Curse of Zerbons. Uh, the plot isn't directly related outside of maybe some high end bad guy stuff, but uh, it starts off with the idea that three hundred seventy five million moons ago. Uh, twin brothers Osof and Endemar built a castle in a large valley in the Dragonspine Mountains, and a town was founded below the castle. Uh, it prospered underneath their guidance uh, and the such, but as these guys grew older, one of the brothers became assessed in his quest for immortality and began studying how to become a lich, because why the hell not, right? Um, I was going to call it a lick but I didn't want to get Mike all wound up. <laughs> um, people pronounce it differently. Uh, Oswald tried to stop his brother, but failed, and Elmar became a lich known as the Dread Lord. However, I'm sorry, did you say something? Was I supposed to be paying attention? I, I just heard that you were talking about undead creatures, and I can't come up with any relation to things that have happened recently on the backtrack. None whatsoever. Mm-mm. Uh, so, yeah. A horrified Os- uh, Oswald, could, he just couldn't stand to see his brother going down this dark path, so he gathered a group of adventurers called the Silver Blades to, to help uh, confront uh, the Dreadlord. And um, Dreadlord was pretty certain these guys were going to go kill them, so he began amassing his own evil army. The town ended up becoming overrun by all the monsters and the such. But uh, with the help of the Silver Blades, uh, they succeeded in driving the monsters out of the town all the way back to the castle... Um, Oswulf really wasn't determined to kill his brother, uh, so the Silverblades found a spell that encased the entire valley into a glacier. Everything inside of it just became frozen, but still alive. And I'm telling you, this is the whole Lich King, when you think about it. Frozen area, Lich King, yeah, that's where they stole it from. Um, but Oswulf sacrificed himself so his spirit could guard the castle. But, uh, you know, years went by, some of the Dreadlord's followers, beyond the glacier's effects, began to do their bad things, uh, trying to get through the ice, um, failed many, many times over, um, but, you know, slowly growing in power, got some wizards together called the Black Circle, and, uh, they started succeeding in breaking the spell. The glacier has begun to melt. And many of the miners notice that the uh, the mines that are around the areas um, start become accessible again. That used to be frozen. That's exciting because they have lots of gems. However, as they go down, there's tons of monsters that have been frozen for hundreds of years and they get killed. So, uh, and they're starting to overrun the mines and, and, 
you know, the town is next. So the miners, they, they, they take their gems to this thing called the Well of Knowledge. And this knowledge is said to grant the wishes and provide information to whoever drops a treasure into it. So they they do what any 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 village that was under attack by 300-year-old monsters would do. And they ask the well for a band of good adventurers. And boom, that's where your party gets dropped in. Uh, of course, this is a convenient way of stripping you of all your gear you had in Curse of the Azurbonds. Um, so you need to buy some new gear. But uh, they need you to protect, you, uh, protect them from the monsters. And so begins the story proper of Secret of the Silver Blades. Um, you'll go through and you will find some some people uh, that were around 300 years ago for reasons that are still around today. Um, like a ghost of people who've passed away or dwarves who live a really long time. Uh, and, and they give you some good backstory as you basically end up becoming the new Silver Blades. So it, it, the, the premise is pretty cool in this one. I, I liked it a, a bit more than Curse of the Azure Bonds. Uh, uh, with that, with that um, being said, like the well itself is one of the first things you have to work your way tor- back towards because it's surrounded by these black circle wizards who are trying to utilize the well for their own purposes since they've taken over. Once you beat your way back there, you open up the area. It opens up all kinds of teleporters that can help get you... Um, around the world easily. The catch is you got to go open up the teleporter on the other end. So there's 16 teleporters around the world. You'll have to go find them. And then you have an easy way to get right back to town and get back out there and get back to fighting, which is very, very, very handy. Um, the flip side is there's no overworld. So even in the the first game, Pools of Radiance, there's kind of like an overworld that would connect places together. Here, it's it's a, it's a variety of different, uh, very, very large caves and and uh, like outdoor areas that are still done through a maze system, very maze-like. And I, I, you know what? You really have to have big pieces of graph paper if you're doing this the old-fashioned way to figure out where to go. There are some journal entries that are you're given that gives you chunks of the map. But uh, yeah, for me, it was like that's another reason I'm very excited that GOG includes the hint books because the original hint books have full-blown maps, and oh boy, do those come in handy. Uh, the game is just huge, though, absolutely huge. Um, just, just gargantuan. So, and it takes you all the way up to like level 12, 13, 14, which is pretty high in D&D. So, like, they, so there's you, a, have, you have to have the maps open on a separate screen that you click to whenever, is, does the game take up the entirety? Uh, is it full screen? Yeah, I mean, the, the, well, I, usually I'm playing in DOSBox and that's in a window. I mean, originally, of sure. course, it was full screen. Um, and I have dual monitors. So on one of my monitors, I have the hint book opened, um, and a YouTube oh, video playing. Yeah, I know. I have dual monitors at work, but not at home. Uh, yeah, it's great for gaming and watching YouTube. But Man, um, once you go dual monitor, you never want to go back. No. So uh, yeah, now it definitely helps to have that some sort of setup so you can see the hint book easily and see the game. The game has an in-game sort of map like the previous games do, but just like I've said on the previous games, the the, the map it doesn't show you details, it doesn't show you doors. Um, or anything along those lines. It just gives you a vague idea of where you're at. And it's deactivated for a lot of the areas. So, yeah, it really, really does help to have a map that's already drawn out uh, if you're trying to get through this game quickly. Lots of fights, lots of random encounters. I will say that. And it kind of slows down the game a little too much. But that's kind of a common complaint with all these games when you're a more modern gamer and you just want to get through it. Uh, Back then, it was called Value. Yay, lots of value. So, um, but... 
you know, I think uh, I think by the time you get to Secret Silver Blades, you play. I mean, first Pools of Radiance was the first one that did it, so it was really pretty awesome. You get to you know for that reason, but it, you know it also has some severe limitations. You get to curse the Azura Bonds; they give you the fixed command and, and some quality of life improvements. Um, so that's that's pretty neat. When you get to Secret of Silver Blades, I feel like the new thing is these really large dungeons that are definitely larger than what you would see in the prior games. But to me, that's not really a great selling point because it just means it's easier to get lost and takes you longer to get through the darn thing. And most of the time, it feels more like padding than, you know, something to be excited about. Because it just means you're going through a lot more random encounters to get from point A to point B and just to get to the big boss that you want to beat so you can get to the next piece of story. Um, so, yeah, lots and lots of... I mean, if you're looking for value for your... Well, I don't know, it's probably like two and a half bucks. Uh, you're definitely going to get it here. So, and higher level play, which, funny enough, when it comes to D&D 2nd Edition, my opinion has been, like, the higher level play, you got more hit points, monsters can do more damage, it kind of washes itself out. The wizard's got more spells to pick from, but the higher level spells, for the most part, the lower level spells do the, do a better job. Hold person is still killer, and that's a second level spell, compared to something like harm, which is a six level cleric spell, which takes away all an enemy's hit points except for one to four. Well, I'd rather hold, I mean, assuming it's a person, I'd rather hold person because I can hold up to four people and then I can shoot them one time and they're dead because they're paralyzed. So harming them, which means I have to make an attack and hit with it, eh, it just, hmm, not not a big deal. But it's funny, like up until fifth, up until um, clerics get up to ninth, tenth, eleven, you don't get the heal spell until eleven. So up through ninth and tenth, those long levels, you do so little healing. You really just have your cleric there to heal you in between battles um, or you know resting, uh, resting in between fights. The game is pretty good about salute though. There's a ton, all the bad guys. You know, one of the things about D and D is that bad guys are fighting with you know armors and weapons, and when you kill them, you get them. And so, and the game doesn't hesitate to throw enemies at you who have magic weapons and armor. So you can take those, uh, trick out your party. So I, I did screenshots and I shared them on Twitter and in Discord, where originally my party had like a negative two armor class, but within a few hours I had most of them the negative eight. And in D and D, the lower the number, the better. So negative eight is pretty pretty darn tough. And then by you know a few more hours, then it was a negative ten. So there wasn't a whole lot that was hitting me. It's good stuff. But anywho. Sacred Silver Blades. We'll continue to plug through next. Uh, the next, the last game of this first, this first four-part series is um, the Dark Queen of Kryn. So I think we're doing that later on in the year, like September or something like that, uh, and that will finish up the Forgotten Realms uh, Gold Box games. I know y'all are excited. Go out and check it out so today. Much so. I know, right? It's really, it is pretty, it is, it is, it is pretty neat. It's good. It's still a good, t- solid tactical. Everything I've said before about Curse uh, and Pools of Rated Supplies here. It is a very solid tactical RPG, definitely ahead of its time. And, and the battles still feel pretty satisfying. It's just once you, you know, if you put together a really good party in Curse of the Azur Bonds and you carried it over to Secret of Silver Blades, or you did what I did and basically made the same party over again in Secret of Silver Blades, um, you're, you know, it's, it's, you're not making a lot more decisions in the evolution of your party as they go from 9th to 10th, 11th to 12th level. There's not a whole lot of new decisions to be made for leveling up. It's really just your wizards and what spells you're going to pick. Uh, so it, it doesn't, you know, the, the game just ends up at some point, now that I'm like probably over 100 hours in, it starts to, sh- you know, show, show its age. Um, so I won't lie. I'm kind of looking forward to the Dragon Realm series, which will start after we get through this four-part Forgotten Realm series, because that introduces 
uh, a lot more class options and mechanics within the game. So, and we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get to those. So, Secret of Silverblades, go out and grab your copy today on GOG. It's part of the Forgotten Realms collection, one or two, I don't remember which one, but the Col- Forgotten Realms archive collection. Uh, that's my monologue. Uh, we're going to take another break and we'll come back to wrap this up with the final lap. What? final lap where we read your comments and tell you what we're playing and oh so much more um got a got a got a um uh, a comment here from sucker angel it says oh my dragon i'm sorry for what i've done but i look forward to that compile episode just pass me the account where to pay where to pay you for the suffering <laughs> I'm not really uh, suffering yet. I'm just kind of indifferent. Give it time. <laughs> the, the, the suffering. Compile Com- Heart and Idea Factory are incredibly good at inflicting suffering over long periods. Oh, I oh, mean, I'm that's just... what video games are about. Inflicting suffering on the bad guys, on the enemies. Yeah. For those well, of these, you... are infli- these are inflicting suffering upon both the bad guys and, in a very meta twist, upon the people who dare to try and take down the bad guys. You, player. For, for those of you who don't know, who maybe have not listened to our our last episode, I think, uh, where we talked about the comments from the last episode, which had been the Final Fantasy VI episode, but uh, Sucker Angel challenged us to play uh, Compile Hearts game. So each one of us is uh, is playing experience suffering through a compile hearts game um right now because we're going to do a podcast about it down the road challenge accepted um i'm working on my game but i'm gonna reserve it all for that podcast gonna leave y'all in suspense but uh yeah yeah uh sakura 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 angel says now about dragon quest i have never played nine and I have to now, but eight is a good experience. Even knowing that the two uh, those those PS2 version is now incomplete with the DS3 version being or the 3DS version uh, adding more content. I am not going to touch the iOS or Android version. Good episode, guys. Thank you. We tried. Cool. Yeah, so I, I, well, we have a dissenting. Well, the Dragon Quest is always good. Yeah. From Kroll of all, I didn't know. All I can associate with Kroll is a very strange movie with a very young Liam Neeson in it, of all people. Uh, I tried watching that and ended up falling asleep. All I remember is the guy in a glaive and why he didn't slice his fingers off using the glaive. Because it's a fantasy realm. There's your answer. It's a fantasy glaive that only slices evil. And also, I think Hagrid is in it. Robbie Coltrane? Yeah, like long before he was Hagrid. Well, yeah, this is early 80s. I don't think I don't think J.K. Rowling was, was she even an adult. Anyway, Cruel Cruel has a different perspective. Do you, you see? That? Read it? Yeah, do you see that perspective, Mister Minky? 
I played Dragon Quest VIII on my iPhone, and I loved it! It doesn't have the additional content of the 3DS version, but it does feature improvements on the PS2 version, such as getting rid of the ridiculous wait times for alchemy. Great game, and the mobile port is one of the most technically, technically impressive software feats I've come across. That said, I specifically bought a second-hand DS last year to play Dragon Quest IX. I, I'm not sure why you needed to get a DS when you could have also gotten a 3DS, but that's on you. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, I, I'm a little interested here. He mentions featured improvements, and then only lists one. <laughs> I mean, I played through this on my iPad, too. I played 80 hours of this game on my iPad. No, no, no. He, he says specifically iPhone. I know. So, I mean, this is – it is impressive. They they got a PlayStation 2 game to run on that. That he, that he, We both played the mobile and enjoyed it. And I did say I enjoyed it, but I would definitely put it in third place behind the 3DS and the PS2 version. So – well, it sounds like Crawl, he didn't go into it much, but it sounds like he was familiar with the PS2 version. But I would have to say that the 3DS version handily trumps both. Definitively? Without having played the PS2 version a great amount of time, I can't give it a shot-for-shot shot comparison. But <laughs> it did move a lot faster. I appreciated all of the small but extremely welcome enhancements so yeah i would say it trumps the ps2 version as for the I, iphone I, one that would that would require me to probably have my phone plugged in all the time because it seems to run out of juice faster if i keep it in use amazing fact there and i don't really like playing things on it for a long time because maybe it's just me maybe i have big clumsy fingers and can't figure out the proper way to finesse the thing to keep scrolling down instead of touching a link I didn't want to touch and getting sent somewhere I didn't want to go and then having to click back and it doesn't register for 10 seconds so I have to click back again and oh my it actually registered back twice so I got back further than I wanted to go maybe that's the story of my life particularly trying to manage game facts on my phone (laughs) that's always a a pinpoint kind of thing that you got a master. And, you know, you would think I would be smart and pull my stylus out, but I forget that my phone has a stylus. Um, mine doesn't. Nor does mine. Mine has a keyboard, though. An actual keyboard. I like oh. that. Oh, that, that must be nice. I had that It doesn't help much with GameFAQs, because GameFAQs doesn't have a mobile version, so I have to squint really close. What does that say in that size 3 font? <laughs> they have an app, but it's not very good. Does mm. my apps have the GameFAQs app? No. What? No. I'm 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 flabbergasted. I'm shocked. My jaw's hit the floor. F A Q R for all of you out there interested in getting it. Um moving on, Umbra says, While I I have a little backlog on the backtrack, I'm listening to the Starflight one. Yeah, I'll have to go back and finish it on the Genesis. I just want to point out that around uh one thirty nine there was a minute of silence, but I think the music was supposed to be there. Uh, did play over you talking around 138. So I'll thank you for that. I'll go back and check. I usually just keep, uh, I think I still have Starflight. I usually keep the audio files, uh, the original ones for about a, mm, a year, maybe a little less, uh, because they do take up a lot of hard drive space. So I have to like clean them out. I, you know, at that point, all I have is the MP3s that you guys download and listen to, which are really difficult at that point to do any serious editing on. Um, but if I still got the Starflight one, that should be an easy fix. Oh, and it yes. sounds like that that would be right after the intro, so it shouldn't be hard to find. Yeah, well, and gra- and usually graphically stuff like that's super. Oh yeah, I still have Starflight. Um, 
graph, you know, all this audio editing's done in Audacity. It's graphically represented, so it's usually not too hard to pick up on that stuff. So um, I, I'm surprised that slipped by my my normal high quality process and procedure of checks and balances. So I apologize, and I'll see if I can get it uh, fixed and re-uploaded. Uh, so that's not usually too difficult. But thank you so much. Definitely, if you guys see anything like that, um, you know, leave us a comment. Always, if you're leaving us a comment on our forums at rpgamer.com, uh, not forums, but people just leaving them there, right there on the webpage where you find the podcast. Make sure you always leave your comments, just like Ombris did here on the latest one, even though he's listening to, you know, 196 or 7 it is. Uh, he left his comment on number 202. That's awesome because that was the latest one. That's why I read the comments. You can also hit us up at Twitter. I'm at JC Servant. I had somebody do that before. They heard a problem, pointed it out to me, sent me off a message on Twitter, and I was able to go in and fix it and get uploaded. So I super appreciate that. But thank you very much. Um, yeah. You know what? Uh, Ombres, i tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to give you a gift from my ga- grab bag. Ha. Huh. I got a grab bag. People don't even know I have a grab bag. So if you shoot me off a, a message on Twitter or I guess Twitter is probably the best way to get hold or Discord, um, uh, I will give you the link to my grab bag, which is basically a list of Steam and GOG games that I have lying around that I give out to people. So, yay. Thank yay. you, Ombrace. Uh Let's see here. All right. So let's do our roundtable stuff. Yeah. We'll start off with Flaky Boy. How dare you call me Flaky Okay. Okay. Based on the one one standard that we have established, that you haven't been playing Monster Hunter every possible (laughs) hour lately, that apparently makes you flaky. Fortnite King. I haven't been getting like you know invites or Fortnite messages saying things like, "Hey, why aren't you playing Monster Hunter? Are you playing Monster Hunter now? Shouldn't you be playing Monster Hunter?" So yeah, I asked you like once or twice, and you brushed me off. Said you had to catch up on your Fortnite or something. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty sure it was Fortnite. It was probably another one of those games. What is it? Anth- what are those popular shooter games everyone's playing? Like Anthem or Overwatch, Overwatch or whatever those young kids are into. I'm I gonna say, what's the shootering we're talking about? Are we talking about Gradius? Oh, what's that? Oh, Destiny. There you go. That's the one he likes. I know you were playing Destiny a lot. Mm-hmm. I See, played Destiny See? In like hmm. three weeks. Yeah, not three months. Three weeks. Yeah. It's like a lifetime. Yeah. Are you su- are you suffering from withdrawal? No. Wait, is that because you're playing Anthem now? Because it's the hot new bread and butter? Um, I wouldn't call it the hot new bread and butter. I'd say it's the bread and butter people really want to like, but instead it's just giving them food poisoning. So is it, is it, is it giving you food poisoning? <laughs> no, I haven't had any. I've had some minor bugs, but I haven't. So you are playing bread. Anthem. Uh, a little bit. Evil game. Stupid shooters. Anywho, what else have you played? And Paladins. So, that, yeah. and also Yokai Watch Three, which is yes. Awesome. Yokai Watch Three. Is it better than Pokemon? No, but it's a, it's different. It's different. Yes, that, that's the best way to put it. Yeah, it's so, its own beast. So we're gonna have a Yokai Watch podcast soon. Rumor has it, maybe, and you guys can tell me more about it. Sometimes rumors come true. Yeah. Okay. There's been quite a bit of urging lately for a Yokai Watch episode, and when there are so, there's so, this much enthusiasm, I see no reason to deny it. All right, Although so I can't say much about it. Wheels, tell us where you are in Yokai Watch Three. How far have you gone? What are your best puns? Um, best puns. The best pun is still a wheel. <laughs> oh, he's a cute guy. Yeah. I finally got an O wheel after trying to get you one for. 
like two hours one day. Oh, I'm sorry. I caught the like the first or second one I found. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm still on like is it chapter one or chapter two, but I've put in like eight hours just wandering around and having a grand old time. It, the game is just it's just fun. I mean, it hasn't been particularly hard, although I did fail at the bosses, but. I mean, it's just it's good. And there's two characters to switch between. There's lots of goofy puns. There's uh, a parody of the two main characters from the X-Files. Uh, well, I remember the wonderful, wonderful Mad Magazine parody, the X-Files, with Moldy and Skulky. <laughs> well, this is just the Y-Files with uh, Blunder and Folly, and it's great. It's great. I yeah, love that, it. that's about on par. No, that's... That might be slightly above the level of Mad Magazine. That was also around the time that Mad Magazine came up with the wonderful Tri-Panic for Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the, even, the, the possibly even better It's Depends Day for Independence Day. Oh, my. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I've been playing lots of Pokemon Yes, I'm going to be playing some Monster Hunter soon. <laughs> so I don't get yelled at anymore. Well, if you don't, it apparently really, really puts Phil in a bad place. <laughs> have you got to Nerd Gigante yet? I have not. Oh my god, we got to do Nerd Gigante! Okay, Alright. Oh my all gosh! Right. He's epic. Yeah, there's, there's just... There's he just wants one, to take... He just wants one. to take your entrails that are inside of you and simply relocate them outside of you. That's his one there's, goal in life. There's just one teensy, tiny little problem. Fortnite? Nope, nope, nope. Enough with Fortnite. Um, A a new game comes out this week. Fortnite 2? We're just going to call it for short, (laughs) uh, The Divige. The Divige 2. Ugh. Sounds like another one of those shooter boring games. Who plays those things? They seem so boring. They all look the same to me. You just run around and shoot things. It's fun. I don't know what to tell you. It's a looter oh, shooter. Gosh. <sighs> All right. Finds my two favorite genres. You're just making me upset. Where's the new guy? <laughs> You're getting yanked, Wheels. I, I I promise you I will get to Near Gigante within the next five months. Oh my gosh, new guy. Where's new guy? <laughs> wow. Phil needs to get some like Oscar music to just put in here between him. Wheels and my uh, okay. Talking. You have it here. This is being recorded March twelfth, twenty nineteen. You said within the next five months. By August twelfth, you are going to get to the new gigante. We have it in audio recording. Phil, you're going to hold uh, him to it, right? Uh, no, yeah, sure. Because I'm just going to use every opportunity I can to make fun of the fact that he loves Fortnite so much. I've played so. it like four times. <laughs> Jesus, I've played more Apex Legends. What the hell is Apex? Le- Let me guess. Another one of them shooter games. Come on, Phil. You gotta. You gotta oh give it the time, my sir. goodness! Nobody likes shooter games. This is RPG backtrack. We play role playing games. That's what we do. Role playing games. It's fine. I've I've moved on from the shooters, and now I'm playing some MOBAs and playing some League. Playing People some still bots. play MOBAs. That, I mean, that that's like so 2015, right? I'm do people still sure do MOBAs? Like hundreds of millions of people. That Blizzard, Blizzard is no longer doing their Heroes of the Storm professionally and stuff, right? Because it sucks and it just like people don't like MOBAs anymore or whatever. There's no money to be found there. Like, no, because right? they had trouble competing with the Kings, which is, uh, I guess... League and Dota 2. Hmm. 
Okay. Too bad I like that one because it was like pretty straightforward. I didn't have to remember to buy the certain right items and level up with microtransactions. I just bought the no, character. It's really and fun. I, I play through it's, it. It's a shame it didn't catch on as much, but I mean, it's not like they're killing it. Yeah, you can still go play some Heroes of the Storm. You don't yeah. have to do the microtransactions, Phil. You just have to sit there and wait. Yeah. Ah, oh, jeez. Uh, anywho, new guy. Okay, so now I'll uh, take over. Uh, uh, since our last podcast, the Dragon Quest, um, haven't done much. Uh, read an interesting for the site that went up today, but I will let that author speak as to their review later on in the uh, episode here. Um, maybe by the time we get this out, uh, a couple kind souls will have copy edited my latest review, and uh, that will be up for everybody's pleasure. Um, I expanded upon my impression, my first impression of Etrian Odyssey Nexus, and I have that review ready to go. Hit on everything. I, Ooh, I liked it. Nexus review. I, I liked it. I don't think it was the best game in the series, but everything you could really want. What? I don't it, want you on my podcast anymore. You're supposed to validate my purchase. <laughs> okay. Not make you feel like I just wasted 50 bucks. It's it's an excellent game. It my, is. I, I my uh, review score is an even number, so. Uh, but it well, um, obviously review score is a three because it's so good. Zero. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have zero, oh, and right. good doesn't good doesn't really describe a two. So you know, I, I'll leave the process of elimination there to everyone's imagination. Well, you haven't started calling out for multiple people to check it to justify a five so that does tell me where you haven't gone yeah again not not an even number number five um also uh, and i've mentioned this before we haven't had a five in about 14 15 months on rp gamer so well we had interesting like there what like 10 of them that year <laughs> i remember there was one backtrack i was listening to you had three in a week so yeah, that was that Breath of the Wild. Um, I believe that was it. It was almost two years ago. Yeah, Breath of the Wild. Um, why can't I think? Of Horizon the Child Zero of Light. Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn. I for, yeah, Child Child of Light. Did they? Did we get that? That five? didn't come out the same year as Breath of the Wild. That's a couple well, maybe. Years. What was the third one? Mm, Horizon Zero Dawn. There's a bunch right in a row. I know, but no, I, I like Nexus. I, oh, I did throw in Persona Four Five, maybe. I don't remember. Oh, that would have been right around that time, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I did throw a little paragraph in the end of my review, just kind of the little things that kept me from thinking it was the uh, absolute pinnacle of the series. I thought there were um, some good elements in the untold. I love the uh, the Graymar stones in the uh, Etrian Odyssey 1 and 2 that allowed you to get a couple other skills or spells that you normally wouldn't have access to. You could get monster skills and spells, which is the only time they did that in the series. That was pretty cool. Elements in Untold 2 and I believe Etrian Odyssey 5. Um, they were pretty cool. And some of them were collection-based. Get some stuff, cook a little thing, and then suddenly your next trip into the stratums, you were have double experience or 1.5 times the gold or something. So there was some stuff to work towards. I, I think bringing back one or two of those elements might have just brought this up a little higher. It, it wasn't a bad game at all. It, it was definitely better than one, two, three, four, or five. I think maybe the Untold's perfected stuff, but then again, they were remakes. So 
whatever. Read my review. It'll be there. And the only other thing I'll talk about is Yokai Watch 3 Wheels. I believe I'm in Chapter 5 now. Nice. Either 4 or 5. I'm about 28, 29 hours in, and I am just taking this slow. I opened a chapter with the uh, female at one point, and it was like, complete these three key quests to move the story forward. And when I went and looked at the visual map of the quests, there were like nine quests there, and I'm like, forget it, I'm doing all these. <laughs> so that that was about eight hours last weekend, and then I got to like, oh, let me whip through the key quests. Um, it's been fun, there's been a lot of stuff. I've spent about five or six hours just doing blasters stuff. I keep forgetting that's in the freaking game. <laughs> it, it's re- and it's a ridiculous amount. There's probably thirty to forty hours worth of blasters material in this game. I opened in five to six, and I haven't even rerun any areas. First one or two, where I was getting used to it. I've done five, six, seven different places, and just looking at the amount of area geography that looks open, it's it, it, it's a lot game loving all the puns i talked about some of them last time since we were talking about dragon quest puns um that i just encountered in the past two weeks that were super memorable although you know you chuckle at least once every hour over one of them or groan over one of them oh i turned into a yokai yesterday that was interesting really there was some alternate world going on i went to the crank akai and I ended up getting turned into a yokai that popped out of a crankokai in another world. Huh. It's a yokai. Interesting. I will say that was a little boring of a part, but it seems to be coming back around now because the human who I was their yokai be now as a yokai talking to me. And they're like, hey, you look like that yokai I had. So it, it, there's so many different things and so many different mini games and so many different things you could just get lost in in this game for hours. I don't being like a 50, 60, 70 hour game just because I don't want it to end. Yeah, I, I think Alex ran through it in 20 or 30 in his review. I know mine's going to be double or triple whatever he had easily. Well, Alex is also concerned with trying to get as much content out for the site as possible, which means he usually manages to blitz through things, if at all, if he can. And he's good at that. He does better than I can. Yes, he he's quite prolific. So, as a uh, flip to his review, it, it can be easily done in that, but oh my gosh, if you get into this, it, it could be two There's to three times easily. And so many puns. Yeah, the, they... The uh, localizers seem to have a lot of fun with the fact that they're trying to pretend that the other games never took place in Japan. <laughs> and thus, no, you're not traveling to the U.S. You're still there. And hey, this new place is so far away. It's almost like it's on another continent. I will say, when that little wheel spins when you switch characters, it definitely does look like you're going to the other side of the world. Yes. Ah. <laughs> uh... But that that's all I've been up to lately. I do I need to get my compile heart game going. I think uh spring break coming up here in a couple days. I'm gonna make my wife drive about three or four hours of our ten hour road trip and that might be my time to start that. What are you playing? Do Hyper Dimension Neptunia Rebirth three. Oh, nice. Are you able to get away with that? Not just playing the game and not having to keep an eye on the kids at all in the car? Yeah, you know, they're in the backseat doing whatever. They'll have their iPads or probably be taking a nap at the time that we're going to leave. Usually we drive overnight, but I have a one and a half hour meeting plopped right on a day that didn't think I'd be working. So 
Those are the road trip completely awake. Meetings are great. Oh, yes, they are. Always a blast. And this is definitely a meeting that could be a email because it, if it affects me and my division, it'll be in about two years. So thanks. Bye. There are several Dilberts that come to mind here. <laughs> How about you, Miss Relly? Well, I have taken on a new task. Um, my husband and I are going to be visiting Japan for two weeks in September. And he's like, I want you to get a basic understanding of Japanese so that you're not going to be completely lost over there. So I'm like, okay, well, let's get this started. <laughs> and I, I've been kind of slowly doing quizzes and stuff. And then Monday he he pops in like, well, we're, we're going to actually sit down and have a lesson and I'm going to give you homework. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, thus far my lessons have been basic numbers and trying to learn the hiragana and trying to learn basic phrases. Like, I know how to point point to things and ask what they are. Kode wa nani desu ka? What is that? Hiragana isn't that difficult. No, it it really Um, Kanji is a whole other universe. Yeah, he was explaining to me about kanji, and he he is pretty fluent in Japanese, and even he said that, you know, he doesn't know nearly the kanji that he should for the um, the level that he's at. So that's going to be a whole other... play with it, and you can write characters that are combinations of several things and come up with something brand new that you've just made a sort of play on words that doesn't work in a language like ours that relies upon standard characters at all. Yeah, and and he, he's got this really interesting book that kind of goes into all of the kanji and what they build on and stuff like that, and that's re- it's really fascinating. And we, we got into a discussion about how because I, I bought a dictionary and I was blown away that the word for wolf in Japanese was okami. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, so that game was just called Wolf. And Anna on Twitter said that it, it meant some, it was something else in Japan, like Spirit God or something like that. And my husband looked at the kanji and it's he's like, yeah, the kanji says Spirit God, but it's pronounced Okami. So... There's a pun there in the name in the Japanese, which, once he explained that to me, kind of cracked me up because it worked on two different levels. And that's been the kind of stuff in the language as far that's been really interesting to me is, you know, all the puns that they like to make and just the way the language works and stuff like that. So it's been really kind of a fascinating journey. Um, and our compile heart uh, ch- challenge has kind of helped with this because I switched the voice. I'm playing... Um, well, should I even say what I'm playing, or say that as a surprise for the episode? No, you can say what you're playing. The bag. Don't say too much about it yet. Okay. I mean, Matt, I, Matt said what he's playing. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing. Uh, um, I can't even remember the name. Hyperdimension Noir Blackheart. Um, the strategy game. Oh boy. I tried doing Monster oh. Mana Peach was the card game, but it it stank too much of a mobile. So. Looked through my Vita collection, I was like, okay, I'm in a strategy game mood, I'm gonna play that, and then, you know, started this Japanese thing, so I switched the voice track over the Japanese, and 
even though I can't understand most of it, I'm still able to pick out some words, even though the the vocals are kind of so fast that it just kind of goes by and I have trouble um, hearing it, especially on the Vita speaker. I really need to just get headphones. But um, I've been doing that. And then um, Matt on Slack also clued me into a game that I thought I had in my Steam library, but it turns out that I didn't. That was uh, Hitagana Battle on Steam. And that is an RPG where the enemies are hiragana. And the idea is that you're learning hiragana so that you can defeat a wizard. And I, I played a little bit of that during my lunch break today and was kind of amused because the, you know, this wizard comes up to you and is like, hey, can you understand this? And then he says something in hiragana. I think it was konichiwa. And your character's like, no, I can't. And then the wizard, you know, destroys the village using spells summoned by Hidagana characters and then another wizard you know starts teaching you it and actually says now player this is for you to get out a pencil and a notebook and I'm like oh crap I wasn't prepared for this so I had to like quick tear up my desk to track down a notebook and they uh, teach you the stroke order in the game so that you learn, can learn how to write it and then you have to go around the village and fight some hiragana for experience which at that point i had to go it was my my lunch break was over so i had to go back to work but combining learning with an rpg like that just is right up my alley so i i kind of can't wait to dive more into that game and you know see how deep it goes and i'll be really curious to see if i actually learn all of the hiragana characters from that game and then after that the sequel is um katakata i can't remember what it's called like um Katakana Battle. I think they're all similarly named. There was yeah. a trilogy that I saw that, yeah, on a some sale. Yeah. Uh, so after uh, probably after I finish the first one, I'm going to do Katakana Battle, and then the third one is Kanji Battle, which is going to be really interesting because that's the hard stuff. So I have six months to get a basic understanding of Japanese. I. I highly doubt I'm going to be importing games and reading them from scratch anytime soon, but it's it's going to be an interesting journey, and I can't wait to go go on that trip. Um, just looking at the tourism, so many things to do. Uh, I've got a reminder to buy tickets to the Miyazaki Museum because you have to pre you can't just go up to the Miyazaki Museum and buy tickets at will call. You have to pre-order them in advance, and they do sell out. Uh, the other thing I'm looking forward to going, or I told my husband that we have to go to, is the um, Cat Island. If you guys have ever heard of that, no. Um, it's it's basically a island that was a fishing village that's really famous for its stray cats. And you know, after all the fishing canneries kind of dried up, the the place is mostly um, tourism now because of all the stray cats. Wow. And um, there's also a fox village that I kind of want to go try to do, which is pretty much the same thing, but with foxes. And, um, and uh, go ahead. Get to interact with them at all? I would. I I have like seen a fox in the wild once in my entire life. I wouldn't know if they're enough in certain areas to. Yeah, I, I, you get to interact with them. You, I, apparently, you can oh, wow. buy treat, treats for them and stuff, and they're pretty. They're hand raised and domesticated. Um. Not necessarily okay. like dog domesticated, but they're not going to bite your hand off. <laughs> that that that's about all I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah, and 
oh, I'm probably going to drop so much money at that ja- J- Japanese Pokemon Center. Wants to go to the uh, Dragon Quest bar? Uh, you know, I didn't even think about that. No, I didn't idea. know there was. A... Oh yeah, they have a uh, Square Enix store there, and I. But there's a whole bar where you can get little slime pancakes and find the link to it. Is it Ludia's who... Bar, Tokyo's Dragon Quest Bar? That sounds like that would be it. Yeah, because there's Roto's Sword. Okay, well, I will oh, have yeah, to... all the foods are based on looking like the monsters. Yeah, well, I'll have to. Yeah, oh, and all the drinks mm-hmm. are based off of them. Yeah, don't, we're definitely going to have to go check this out. Um, The other thing I'm going to want to go check out, if it's still there, is uh, the Squeenix store that has uh, Sephiroth in it for. If you've ever seen pictures of that. Oh wow, no. Yeah. It's the they have a full size replica of Sephiroth like he was in the Northern Crater in Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah, there's gonna be no shortage of places to go there. That's why we um are doing two weeks so that we can cram in everything. Mm-hmm. And my husband says that he's probably just gonna move into a bookstore for a week and never leave. Um, <laughs> as for me, I I'm going to spend all my money at the Pokemon store. I am definitely going to probably at least drop about $200 at Super Potato, which is the famous game store there that, like, has one of the, I, I want to say, like, one of the gold Mega Man cartridges that have limited pre- or m- limited runs on display. Um hmm. Yeah, that that place I'm going to end up dropping a lot of money at. Oh, boy. Meet me in Classic Games. Sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, I... that's in September, so you you've got lots of prep time, which is good. I've got yeah, lots of prep time, lots of time to save up money, um, that kind of stuff. So, and so it, you're not going to go hog wild in the next six months, right? I've been trying not to. It's been difficult. I already feel guilty for dropping sixty bucks on the Final Fantasy fourteen collection, but I kind of broke up with WoW and needed something else MMO like to play. I know what it's like to break up with a with a game or maybe a gamer friend you loved. It felt like you betrayed you. Well, well, for me, it's been like a security blanket for the past fourteen years, and they've made some decisions with the new with what with some of the patches and stuff. It's really kind of not left me happy. And then after the crap with the layoffs and stuff, it's like I I don't want to give them any money right now. Hmm, can't say I blame you there. So. Activision 14. Blizzard has become a gigantic corporate entity that is concerned only with profits. That seems to be the trend. Yeah, it's, just, it's a shape that they're so short-sighted that they are they're, they just seem to be kind of losing vision of what made those profits, at least for Blizzard to begin with, which you know was their attention to quality and detail and all that other jazz. And what's been making me angry is just the kind of uh, tone-deaf reasoning for some of the the decisions that they've made in WoW that have, you know, really kind of affected stuff that they've taken out of the game and player convenience. And it's like, okay, just be honest with us. You want more playtime so that there'll be a longer subscription. You know, don't don't feed me this crap about how you want the world to be bigger, because if you actually wanted it to be bigger, you would put content in it. But that's another rant for a whole other podcast. She takes a deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath. Yeah. Oh, I, I get heated when I, I think about how kind of upset with 
than I am in some of their recent decisions I, lately. I, I can feel your pain, honestly. Um, <laughs> I honestly, um, you know, I, 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 I enjoyed WoW. I, I won't say I was ever a fanboy or anything like that, but I am a, a big fan of their other IPs, such as, you know, Diablo and StarCraft. And, and, and just to see like that, you know, I mean, totally off target here, but that, that whole presentation on Diablo through, you know, that mm-hmm. whole, like talk about tone deaf, right? Like how yeah. could you, like, how could you not see that was going to blow up in your face? Wrong place, and, wrong time. You would have been better keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> and, and, and that's the attitude that's been annoying me lately is the what, don't you guys have phones yeah. kind of attitude? Because they've copped that a lot with some of the loud dissents and yeah. Like, you know, we're not trying to be lazy or anything. We just have legitimate concerns, and you're not listening to them, obviously. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, and it's, it's a shame. Um, I think it, Activision has had too much influence on Blizzard right now. They don't mm-hmm. have the same autonomy they used to. Um, sucks. No. Uh, with that... With that kind of being said, I, I will say, on one hand, I agree with you. I hate to give them money. On the other hand... They did just re-release Diablo on GOG for nine ninety nine, and it does have the patches necessary to play it on a modern computer, including higher resolution support and the such. Or you can play it the old classic Ooh, way. It includes the old classic way. No, it doesn't. No, no, the weird expansion. No, XNA on the eared expansion A. But it does include the ability to play it old school style at the original resolution at 20 frames per second, the way it used to run. So you could, you could, you could, it isn't a full, it isn't a full blown remake. It's just simply, you could kind of think of it like you can either play it with mod support that's basically made for, you know, your widescreen high resolution monitor, or you can play it the way it originally came out. Um, uh, but but it, it and it will work because it's GOG, so it'll totally work on your newer computers without any issues. And I think it actually has multiplayer. Battle.net still runs on it and stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, go figure that one. And then I am looking forward to the uh, what is it? Warcraft, Warcraft three, yeah, remastered. I got the Starcraft remastered, and I just love it. So I am a sucker for the old games. But it is breaks my heart into a hundred billion pieces that. They don't have a good Diablo Four coming out. Like that just seems like such a missed opportunity, or a new StarCraft. They, oh, of course they do. That's they do. They are absolutely working on another Diablo. Totally. Yeah. Oh, they are working on a new Diablo. That there's no doubt about that. <laughs> you yes. can almost call it immortal. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not talking about that. They're absolutely working on a Diablo Four, but it's going to be out when they think it's ready, or I, I guess now when the investors deem it, it's time for it to come out. Yeah. And the hilarious thing is that, a di- you know, when the iPhone first came out and when mobile gaming was fresh before it became a glorified Skinner box, we all would have sold, like, our firstborn to get a Diablo on mobile. And yeah. now yep. it just feels like it's, like, way too late that that ship has sailed. Yeah, that's true. I feel that's fair. Uh, Bayro. Um, anything else for us, Miss Rally? No, I, I think that's pretty much it. I've been doing a bunch of other kind of small things, but nothing really significant. My my big focus right now is trying to devote to studying, studying Japanese any way I can, be it books or cleverly written RPGs with hiragana enemies. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, how about you, Mister Miki? 
You know, Matt mentioned something, and he does indeed have reason to remember it because I put up a review yesterday. I I think I even mentioned you when I told people about it, Phil, for some reason. Does this sound at all familiar to you? A review that I posted recently of something Idea Factory and Compile Heart related? Oh. Hmm, no. Or has, hmm. has your short-term memory been direly affected and is in need of refreshment? You know, I think it might have been. I've been playing this game on my PlayStation 4, and it just seems like after I'm done, I can't remember a damn thing. I'm just numb. So, yes, I... After we recorded our last episode, I got close to the conclusion of Merry Skelter Nightmares. I got to a point where the solution was very simple. There is a statue in your path. You need to go elsewhere in the place, find another statue, kill it, take an eye out of that, and put the eye into the statue that's blocking your path. So, you do that. It doesn't. You go to the item menu. It won't let you use the thing. You bump into the, the statue. It won't let you use it. You try and use your party member's abilities to try and draw, trigger it some kind of way. Nothing doing. Nothing's happening. It keeps letting me bump into the stupid statue, but it won't let me use the critical item that will allow the statue to crumble out of my way so that I can move to the final floor of the game. After about, after bumping into that thing for, I don't know, 60, 70 times and eventually saying, I'm sick of this, I turned it off. I booted up Sultan Sanctuary for a little bit on my Vita, got my ass handed to me by the first boss, decided, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to give you one more chance. I bumped into that statue, I don't know, 30, 40 more times before finally something happened. Some magical pixel bug glitch altered somewhere in the digital gremlin cycle and allowed it to recognize, what, would you like to insert the eyeball into this statue? Yes, I would. I would like that very much. Bamf, statue crumbles. I'm allowed to move forward. Hooray! Then I get through the convoluted... It's another one of those ridiculous things where unless you know exactly what the hell you're doing going in, you you won't get to the real ending because it involves answering several questions and picking one item that you are just supposed to remember people talking about 30 hours or so before. Anyway, I got there. I got another one... It closes with another of those lovely, lovely sequences. You remember the one I told you about last time, where there's a nightmare. You're on a map you've never been on before, so it's completely new terrain, and this is first person. You're constantly bumping around trying to figure out what's accessible and what's a block, while you have to go march over to that nightmare as it's attacking. And if you get into a booked battle, that's what they call them when you're fighting in these settings, booked battles, when a nightmare is chasing you, then it can hit you, and you can't do a darn thing about it because it moves in real time. Well, these things are happening. You go, you fight it for a while, and you have to fight it again on the next floor. I killed it. I got an ending with one of the ladies. Apparently, you can get ten endings with each of the ladies. I didn't do that because I had enough. And then I was done, and I wrote a review of it. And I had some things to say. Matt, I believe you can confirm I had some things to say. You had many things to say. And uh, I'll be honest, I... This all gets traced back to me. It really does. It feels the one to blame, but on pause, impression, or something she wrote like two years ago on 
the PSN, and we were talking, I believe it was in December, might have been the Starflight episode that we referenced earlier, um, that one-minute pause, but I mentioned, hey, I picked this game up for $8, and that was in the middle of one of our many episodes in a row of discussing Compile Hearts and Idea Factory, and took it upon himself to uh, pause, and uh, Phil, it paid off. There's now another review. RPGamer.com more content. Yeah, exclusive. I saw Anna's comment that she loved it. I I didn't love it. I was going to say that. That's probably just the best to leave it there. Did Anna play it all the way through? I don't yeah. know. No, she did. She did? Yes. Hmm. I... Sometimes her and my experiences are completely different, and this appears to be one of those times. I yeah, don't know why she enjoyed it. She, she must have enjoyed all that ridiculous inventory crap that she had to put up with and the ridiculous nightmare mechanics. I don't know why, but different strokes for different folks. Indeed. Is there a difficulty slider? Yeah, and you can change it whenever you want. Did you crank it down? Oh, I had it down all the time. (laughs) One thing I didn't get to mention in the review that I couldn't figure out a way to to mention is that if you don't have it on easy, then the in-game map that you normally have access to disappears when a nightmare comes along. So now you have to wander around in first person without a map. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I kind of remember that. So that's... That's reason number one, and a pretty damn good reason to not switch it up, unless you like blundering around. Oh, oh, look, there's a, there's a beautiful picture. Hey, what, you, what what you are seeing is when they go... I, I can't believe I have to explain. <laughs> I might have posted a picture that probably wasn't safe for the workplace in our chat it's channel. It's a good thing I'm not at work. <laughs> Recording uh, podcasts at work is typically frowned upon. Yes, it is. I can pretty much guarantee that my boss, who is an awesome boss and a very nice person, would not look upon this kindly at all. <sighs> so, you splash, you get splashed with blood, right? Your blood meter fills up pretty fast. Normally, your blood meter fills up fast, and then your eyes go crimson, and the ladies, ooh, they go a little crazy, and they start saying things like, It's coming! Or... I can't hold it back much longer. Yes, they say these things. It's charming. And then for a couple of turns, they are in blood skelter mode and they have access to new amazing powers that are really cheap in terms of mana and they hit everything really hard. That's nice. But if a lady has taken some damage, then her blood got corrupted. And you see what the result of being corrupted is. You go so crazy that apparently you lose your clothes and flip out and attack everything in sight. And this is why you need to have Jack there so that he can... He has a gun, which apparently operates... It just plugs straight into his vein so that he's able to splish his blood onto somebody. And he's apparently a medical miracle because he just keeps generating blood. You just have him take a break and he'll just generate more blood for for you right there. Nice. I say that is an amazing skill which the world could use more of, but apparently it only exists in this game. Wait a minute, you're saying the world needs more Mary Skelter? I'm saying the world needs more people who are able to spontaneously regenerate blood on demand. 
then again, so Mike, I don't, is this- I don't think there are many people in the world who have tried slapping a needle into their vein, attached to a gun, and then squirting the blood out to the point where they might just get woozy and, and fall down for a bit to see if they can manage to regenerate blood quickly. Maybe we need nope. to test this theory out. A heart might be onto something here. It might be a good idea. Oh, uh, there we go. There we go. Now, Mike, is this the game that please, you're going please, to be? Please uh... emphasize the might. <laughs> I think the likelihood of this coming to pass is very slim. But nevertheless, it is an intriguing notion that could be explored, although I don't know how you would necessarily do it without getting sued by everyone involved. Anyway. All right. Is this the game that you're going to be talking about for our uh, big Compile Heart compilation episode sometime in the future? Probably. I don't know how well, it's I, going I, to I feel like since you've talked about it all, all now, I think now you got to do another CH game. See, oh, something he's fresh. At, he's at least talked about this in three of the blast backtracks. Yeah, I can say I don't think I don't think you can just like piece together his audio from the past couple of backtracks. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, just paste, slap it right in there. Well, you know what I haven't done is discuss the overall story, and it's oh, it's something. Okay, well, there you so go. I guess we can have that to look forward to when I lay into how lovely it is that you introduce a concept and then rather than expand on it much, you just decide to have lots and lots of filler sequences for a while. Those are great. Everyone loves filler. So we'll have to uh, call audibly put in asterisks into Mike's review in our Compile Heart episode and be like, please see episode 200, 201, 202 for even more details. That may be something that Phil feels like doing. I don't feel like doing it because that would require me to sift through all of this and recall precisely what I've already mentioned. And I don't feel like being that categorical in my reminiscence of Mary Skelter nightmares. Oh, no, this is for the listeners. If the listeners want more, they can they can go do the research. You've already provided the answers. They just need to go find them. Yep. Oh, and I I have to apparently talk about the. means of getting affection up and you get a special scene with every one of the ladies once her affection is maximized and it really illuminates character in some backhanded kind of way <laughs> uh so yeah i finished that i have to start playing war groove because i need to review that for the site but i had to play something else on the vita and i'll i for whatever freaking reason plugged exist archive into the thing and all i can tell you so far is that it kind of feels like valkyrie profile just in the way it plays it does not have the same fascinating captivation that valkyrie profile did that's what i've heard but the movement around a 2d area feels very much like valkyrie profile just not as well i don't hear many people citing this as their favorite game and we know sam adores Valkyrie Profile. I don't think she'd adore this, and I don't think she played it. I, I know. I don't think... I think Anna tried to play it and noped out pretty quick, but I might be mistaken. And also, the design of the lead character is disturbing to my eyes, just because it seems to be some kind of uh, striped pattern on his pants that looks like a 3D image that's designed to confound my eyes. <laughs> 
And I guess otherwise, I have to say that Captain Marvel is okay. It is not great. It is not terrible. It's just okay. It is great. You're wrong, sir. Captain Marvel has my my new favorite Marvel character ever. Yes. Goose. Can you hear the sound? <laughs> I hear that, a clicking that could be from a toy gun. That that is the sound of the goose toy that I I had to tell my husband to drive out of his way while we was getting groceries to a Target so that I could pick it up just so that I could have it. And <laughs> should I say what it does or would it spoil the movie? Mm, it's too fresh, probably. Okay. If you've seen the movie, you can make an educated guess. And if you yeah. haven't, then. I mean, I, I, I learned about Goose, except for the part where Goose turned CG because you can't have a real cat get splattered by atmospheric pr- or uh, gravity force. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that and um, apparently Brie Larson was uh, allergic to cats. Whoops. Yeah. My, grand- my grandfather was allergic to cats. That didn't keep my grandma's cat from constantly seeking him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and anytime yeah, she had no. to. Anytime she had to like be really near uh, Goose, he had to be CG or a puppet. Which <laughs> or she could have I don't know. I, I don't know. Had, I mean, had so, a plastic glove or something. I, I, think. I and a drill. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how severe the allergy was. My husband's told me that you know people that um that can't be around cats or dogs because they could like go into shock or something. Mm. Um. So I I don't know I good. but but yeah G- goose is the bomb and the goose plush is my new favorite toy. Well, Captain Marvel herself, she's okay. Yeah, she once she gets unleashed, she kind of turns into Superman, which means she has pretty much unlimited power. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I got. I got my fill of hey, remember the '90s references pretty fast. Oh God, yes! Um, that first scene where she was standing in front of a wall with all the '90s band posters. I was like, okay, we does get it feel it. weird that they had all those melancholy and the infinite sadness posters, yet there was no Smashing Pumpkins on the soundtrack? Yeah, no, I, I had a hard time with the '90s nostalgia because even though. I like graduated high school in 2000. I did not like 90s music at all when it was relevant. Um, Do you remember Waterfalls? Uh, I hated that song when I back. It's back, and you have to hear it again. Do we have to go chasing them? I was always told You're not suppo- to go chasing them. You're supposed to not go chasing them, and yet when that song keeps playing, it is implicitly saying that you are fo- being forced to chase those waterfalls because they keep. Or at least you cannot escape them. They keep uh, coming I just after like them. staying in the rivers and the lakes like I'm supposed to. I just think we, we should not make any phony calls. Please stick to the regular seven-digit numbers you're used to. Okay. <sighs> All right, 80s for life. Uh, also, I have no idea why Just a Girl was playing near the climax. Because it's an awesome song. Oh! I like that song. Don't get me wrong. I like No Doubt. That was among no, no. the most I mean, obvious, ridiculous things they could have played, though. It was perfect. Where was it coming from? Who cares? Jukebox. <laughs> Who cares? There were any jukeboxes on a space station, space yes, lab. In the background. And they got broken real fast. Yeah. She broke the arcade machine, dang it. No. 
I can sense that we're not going to come to any consensus about Captain Marvel in a quick wrap-up tonight. So, Have you seen Spider-Verse? Yes, I have. Did you... Would, would you say that Spider-Verse is superior to Captain Marvel? Oh, uh, yeah. Spider-Verse is my favorite movie of all time, so... Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I've watched it like ten times at this point. Holy... And I'm not sick of watching it. Movies on tap for next is it week. out on video yet? Yes, yeah, digital. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, it took a pretty special movie to top Lion King in my book, but I'm also biased. Well, well relevant to our main biased. event, oh boy. what do you think of the Lion King remake coming this summer? <sighs> um, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I haven't been a fan of the Disney remakes except for Jungle Book, but that's because that one wasn't a verbatim remake, it was more of a reinterpretation. Um. That yeah, the, being the, the said, ending was particularly different, and I thought that was yeah. That big. being said, like you know, when the, the that teaser trailer first showed, and the opening part of Circle of Life came up with the ah, Sabaya, I teared up a little bit, and I I'm not sure if that was like legit emotion or if that was just a um, Pavlovian response because that's the kind, the kind of response that I have to that movie. And also, Baby Simba in that teaser was adorable as hell, and I just wanted to cuddle him, even though I'd probably get my head bit off by his parents. You probably would. Yeah. Well, you know that to get to the Lion King remake, we have to get through the Aladdin remake. You know, I've been lukewarm on that, but today they released a new trailer, and now I'm not as tepid. because I really, they sh- I really liked what I saw in that trailer today. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure I will. They'll come. Be- what was I saying? I was. Yeah, I got the Dumbo. I got the Lion King, and I got the Aladdin trailers in quick succession oh. a couple of weeks ago at the yeah. theater. That that was enough to make me just a little bit jaded. Um, Dumbo, I could not care less about that. That movie looks stupid. <laughs> I'm interested in Dumbo just because you can't remake Dumbo verbatim. It would be an no. hour long, and it would have an incredibly. It would have a scene that you can't do now. No. So even though Tim Burton is, I'll put it kindly and say a uh, a mixed quality filmmaker of late, <laughs> I'm mildly interested in seeing what what happens with it. I'm not expecting great things, but I think it might be interesting to come to view i mean they could surprise me but i was just completely turned off by the all the humans in the trailer and i have a feeling that movie is going to be like like the transformers movie where it's 80 percent humans well another link to our main event danny devito's in it yeah there you go i think i'm taking too much time here because we got to wrap this up phil it's your turn well, um, don't do a whole lot of movies. We finally got around to seeing uh, um, Ready Player One. Did I talk about that last? Show? I can't remember. I don't think you did. No, no. I mean, that's you know, I see like one movie every six months if I'm lucky. And uh, yeah, we kind of. I have. I'm still. I I think we just got through Civil War like six months ago, so we're way behind on the Marvel movies. Um, but kind of seem, still... seem like they've gotten a little formulaic. I know that you went to see Aquaman multiple times because he's your favorite character. Yeah. 
Yeah, the guy who swims with the fish. Hey, I've seen Aquaman multiple times, but um, not because, you know, he's my favorite superhero. Just just saying. Well, we'll Phil used to love Green Lantern, but now he's Uh, devoted to Aquaman. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Green Lantern is like my favorite DC character, and then the movie came out. Sorry, uh, I was so excited for it. I mean, I love them even in the cartoons and the comics and then the movie. Uh, it's kind of like the Hulk. I love the Hulk shows and stuff and then the movie. You know, like, you just can't win. I just can't win with these movies. Like, I feel like Hulk would be a really good movie if done right because the show with Bill Bixby was so, you know, emotional. I love it. I, in fact, I'm watching through those while I'm doing work. I've been watching through the old Incredible Hulk shows. Um, but anywho, uh, let's see here. Can't, well, well, I won't talk about my CH experience yet. I'll save that for the show. Um, and I'm playing Witcher. And which, that's which Witcher? The first one for CRPG Club. Um, got a couple of cards. Can't post all those on Twitter. I'll get banned. But um, Shirley walks in right when the card of this one lady I got flashes up on the screen it's like one of those full new cards she's like what are you doing over there i'm playing the witcher it's a deep rpg my decisions really matter <laughs> it's kind of like when the wife comes in and sees you at the playbook what do you do with that magazine and you're like it's for the articles you know so <laughs> the witcher it's because it's a good rpg where your decisions matter um but it is and that's def- oh, go ahead now you can just say well i'm playing it because there is no more playboy magazine yeah, yeah, there's no Playboy <laughs> magazine. Uh, but uh, uh, it, is a, it is a slow burn. So, some, you know, I've been, uh, I've been working so much that um, when I get an hour off, I don't want to play a really slow game like The Witcher. So I'll go and play something a little bit more exciting when I can. Um, but not a whole lot lately. Just been super busy. Played a little Diablo 3. Um, gosh, I really wish they would do a new Diablo. I love Diablo 3, but I need something new. Uh, Sacred is actually also the next game on our um crpg club so i've been kind of mixed it in i think that's what i've been doing i've been mixing in some sacred here or there uh so interesting older older school definitely uh action rpg we're talking good old-fashioned 2d isometric graphics um and lower resolution that makes my widescreen monitor do weird things unless i set it to the exact correct mode to make it work in windows 7 it's really weird i have to turn down the colors to 16-bit and then change the resolution to do the to keep to retain the um shape because i hate it when you take a low resolution game and you stretch it out sideways and it stretches out and everybody looks super fat and chunky or whatever so i usually i usually try to set my monitor where you know if i'm playing a game with a with a 4-3 resolution just just use the black bars on the side it's okay but it always wants to stretch it out unless i stick it back to 16 color mode 16 bit color weird so um but that's about it. Nope, not super exciting for me lately. A lot of uh, some D&D. So we're always doing D&D and Pathfinder. We're looking at playing um, Strange Aeons, which was an adventure path uh, written by Paizo, I think about three years ago. And it has a whole lot of Lovecraftian you know, themes to it. You actually, you start off in um, a sanatorium or whatever those things are called, where people go insane and you commit them. Insane Asylum? Yeah, you start off the game there. So that's kind of an interesting start for your typical, you know, high fantasy role-playing game. It's, uh, it, you know, everything in the game, you know, that's a, that's from Paizo, which creates Pathfinder. So everything in there is Pathfinder, 
as far as stat blocks and stuff goes. But I just I just converted to third uh, fifth edition, so we're playing fifth edition right now. A lot of people playing fifth edition. It's just a bit faster and easier to manage. And not to mention, it's what all the cool cats are playing online. And speaking of, just a little trivia tidbit has nothing to do with RPG Backtrack, but uh, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of Critical Role, the the D&D game by uh, Mark Mercer and numerous other video game voice actors. Yes. uh, That's super hot popular that uh, they decided to do a Kickstarter asking for $750,000 so they could do a 22-minute animated special with their characters to kind of tell their story, which sounded really awesome. So awesome, in fact, that Oh, last time I checked, which was just a few days ago, they had exceeded seven freaking million dollars. Oh, you know, heading towards ten times what they asked for. And now they had to revise the stretch goals to include a whole season of episodes um, and not just one 22-minute special. Uh, it's it's crazy insane how popular uh, that is. And I wonder if that leads sometimes leads to my players because they start off that game in Pathfinder and they moved it to fifth. They converted to fifth edition. And I wonder if that when I start a game, a role playing game with players, I ask, do you want to play Pathfinder or do you want to play D&D fifth edition? Because I can DM either one and more and more players are asking me for fifth edition. So food for thought. Um, but yeah. And I mentioned the, the, the GOG. So go and check that out. Um, uh, just one other thing, but I can't remember it. Mister mm. Mickey, you want to post to bed? I feel like I should come up with some song revolving around sleeping. I'm pretty sure that we can come up with one from the Disney catalog, but then we might get sued by the incredibly litigious people eventually come upon it. So, good night. I've got one. Everybody wants to go to sleep because the sleep's the only time you get to some body rest. Do you want to hide a body? <laughs> and now okay, stick around for that song. You went morbid. I just did off the top of my head. can see him on the floor, get him out the door, before he can decay. I thought you were my buddy, you won't get caught, just help me and don't ask why. Will you help me hide a body? It doesn't have to be in one piece. Go away, Anna. Oh dear, why? 
Won't you help me hide a body? This one's been knocked out since last fall. I think his company is overdue. It's about time we threw his body down the well. Stay down there, Joan. It gets a little lonely digging up all these graves out in the night by myself. Ugh, we're already running out of space in these caves. Elsa. 